This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number of time in order to release. This week, we're driving down a highway in Tokyo for a very long time until we go to space and learn about the nature of man as we watch Spine 164 in the Criterion Collection, Andre Tarkovsky's Solaris from 1972. But first, RJ. Mm. This is our second Tarkovsky film. And mm-hmm. for, for the second time for a Tarkovsky film, we've got a guest host. This time, brought to oh. us via our Patreon page, uh, a name any listener of length will know, Oliver Granger of New Zealand. Hello. Uh, before I start, I'd like to say I'm playing a character. So, offended by anything, mm-hmm. I say this is all all a character, baby. That's uh, that's well advised. Uh, that That's terrific. I would also mm-hmm. like to state that I am playing a character as well. And uh, any opinions presented by Jared Duncan are not shared by me <laughs> or other character of the show, Oliver Granger. Mm. So uh, that's a, that's a good lead in. And yeah. now you have this recorded for any any future like legal situations. Just because I pay you guys doesn't mean I support I don't know how it will work in the courts, but there, there's a way around that. I, we we've gotten into some legal stickiness before. Don't worry, you got your bases covered now. So as long as you avoid any like fragrant, I don't know, racism or prejudice or just weird stuff, we should be okay. What a right, way! Jared? What a way to kick <laughs> off uh, another episode of the Criterion Creeps podcast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so, hey, uh, Oliver, how's it, how's it going? It's good. It's good. So, uh, the reason why I can come on, you guys do it at six at night. It's 12 the next day for us. It's a public holiday today. Anzac day. What is get up Anzac at, oh, day? It's, it's, it's yeah. a biscuit, RJ. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Do you get that over there? Uh, I, I have a friend that, uh, her husband was, was Australian and, uh, she made those up, uh, during this week and it was always a very good week cause I got all the extra biscuits and they were delicious. Yeah, no, Jared, that biscuit. sounds offensive that you would assume that Australians have the same holidays as New Zealanders. It's, 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 it's actually it's, literally it's in the Australia, name. Australia, New Zealand Army Corps, I guess. I and Zach RJ. <laughs> read a book. <laughs> I'm not going to read a book on that stuff. Is it in a movie featuring Mel Gibson? Because I'd watch that then. <laughs> As a matter of fact. Yeah. Set in World War One, but with a great 80s soundtrack mm. behind it. So, Okay. The New so, Zealanders uh, don't feature in that movie very heavily. I know New Zealanders have this thing where if we get mentioned at all in a movie, we just sort of jump out, <laughs> out of our seats. Uh, I don't know if that happens with Canada as well. Oh, I guess it, you guys it sure does. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, There's a, we have a thing playing before movies now where it's like... It's listing all the famous movies, like either actors, directors, or screenwriters of uh, that are Canadian. David um, Cronenberg. David Cronenberg. It, David it, Cronenberg. No, David actually. Son. It, now it's they, all like they do mention David Cronenberg, don't they? Uh, it seems like it's all like Denny Villeneuve and uh, like, yeah, hey, Deadpool, Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds. It was shot in Vancouver, and that's Deadpool and Christopher Plummer is narrating it. Yeah, and then at the end, it's like. Like Canadians do wonderful things. It's time we took credit for it, and like that's how it ends. And it's it's really weird. It's like tax credits. Yeah, who? It works the same here. It's all giving our tax credits away and filming our country. Yeah, they're filming Avatar, and it was oh Avatar two, and the deal was they're going to show off the beautiful New Zealand scenery, Uh, but the whole whole fucking movie's blue screen. So I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah, I don't know how that works. 
So is like Taiki Watiti like is he the be all <laughs> and end all celebrity? Do, has there been like erected a bronze statue of him in Times Square yet, or what's the he, deal? Um, firstly, I taught you how to pronounce his name. You immediately said it wrong, and every time you do it wrong again, go, <laughs> don't worry. Ollie told me how to do that. Nice. So well, Taika Waititi. Yeah, Taika Waititi. Uh, <laughs> I've always got it right, uh, and I've been confirmed by an, a New Zealander. He's definitely a New Zealand hero, but he sort of stirred up general population by sort of trying to, not trying to, but he, he said that New Zealanders basically, he said exactly New Zealanders racist as fuck, mm-hmm. and that, that got everyone going. I don't disagree with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, and then recently someone tweeted, what's your favorite part of New Zealand? And he said, uh, the departure lounge. And mm. everyone all got up in arms and said, oh, he hates New Zealand now. But he watches films. He obviously loves bloody New Zealand. Mm. He's just I using think, his platform, I guess. Yeah. I think I'm like, going to uh, start uh, supporting that. Right? What yeah. are you going to say? So, uh, James Cameron was like the kind of the same thing. Like he just like he spends his time burying Canada most of the time. Mm. That's all. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that's about. I don't know. It's, it's, it's something about us uh, Commonwealth people. We just have a lot of self-loathing. And then when we really make it and go to America, uh, that's where all, mm. where all things turn up great. I think yeah. that's mostly about uh, New Zealand. Uh, New Zealanders, probably Canadians as well. They try to claim you after you got famous other means. Yes. Stephen mm. Adams in the NBA had nothing to do with New Zealand basketball as far as I'm aware. He did college in America. And now everyone wants him to play for the New Zealand team. He refuses to, rightly so. <laughs> New Zealand did nothing for his basketball career. But as soon as he's famous, we've got to... That's kind of like what we're trying to do, too. That's why we read emails on the podcast, so that if anyone eventually does venture off and makes it big, or even, you know, like, is moderately successful, we can say that we had them on the ground floor, Mm -hmm. and then we would like, you you know, like, to pay it forward and to give back a little bit. You know, (laughs) give it back a little bit. (laughs) Right, Jared? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's nice to have you on, Oliver, because I think uh, you, someone smarter than us could look back into it, but I think you were probably the longest contributing fan Mm. to the show. I think you were the first email within like, I don't know, first couple months, right, Jarrett? I believe so. Yeah, it's like I, I'm yep. pretty sure it was that or uh, or or Mr. Uh, Fraser, Mr. Josh Fraser, who's uh, disappeared, disappeared from the earth. Yeah, <laughs> it was a, cu- a couple of episodes, and I remember you sort of said something like you started sort of mentioning the email every episode, mm-hmm. and then you got to the point you're like, please, someone <laughs> send something. Out. I'm sure I'm going to claim yeah. it. I'm sure I was the first to email, yep. and I was going to mention. So I listened from, I assume episode one. I found it on the Reddit. From yeah, RJ's Instagram, post. Which, yeah, which I no longer go on because mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to shit talk them because they probably gave you a lot of fans. But They have, but it's they're, a They're obsessed with posting what they buy instead of what they watch. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very fickle place. Like mm. I think we've mentioned that on here before. Yeah, like I don't like the Criterion Reddit either because it is. It's just pictures. It's like, hey, I just bought this. And it's like, that's cool. I'm glad that you're happy about it. But that is what... How do you feel about the movie? Yeah, oh. and that's like 98% of those posts well, is just that stuff. So it's, or, you're just like, oh. Or it's like, do you think Blank is going to be in the Criterion Collection? Oh. <laughs> yeah, aimless like hopes and aspirations yeah. for things to be added. And it's like, all right, that's that's good, I guess. Yeah. But I, I was going to ask you how you found out about the show. You probably said before, but I've noticed like I might be looking too much into it, but I've noticed that 
uh, Jarrett and then and I both have a couple people on Letterboxd that are like uh, in their bios. It says that they're film students, I think, in like Ohio. And it's more than a couple. It's like at least six. And I was like, that's so weird. Like, what is this Ohio film studies class doing? Are they just watching Criterions and then one of those pers- one of those people was a fan or something? I don't know. I'm always curious to find out how people like hear about the show if they just Google Criterion podcast or I don't know Reddit. I guess. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't listen to much podcasts. So I don't know. I don't. I would like to know how people find them. To be honest, just the best, right? I asked the smartest person I know to confirm, and that was me. And uh, I looked it up, and sure enough, Oliver Granger mm-hmm. on September 15th, 2016, at 5 33 yeah. p.m., wrote in Hi, guys. Thought I'd send you an email since you said no one has. Keep up the good work, you creeps, coming at you from Auckland, New Zealand. I believe the first New Zealand film you'll be watching on the show is number 301, An Angel at My Table. Looking forward to it. And here you, <laughs> wow, here we are. So far away. We're, we're almost halfway there. We're, we're, om- yeah. Yeah, we're almost at the halfway mark to that, uh, yeah. that episode. I sort of wish I waited till that episode to jump on because it'd be so funny. But uh, it's too far away. It would have been funny, but uh, I'm glad you're joining us now because it would like we, I think we burn through these pretty fast and we're still like only at 100 or 150 in or something because not anymore as much. But those first that first year we were doing double headers, triple headers like we were really covering some ground. So like at this rate, we probably won't do 301 until like, I don't know, two years from now. Uh, closer to three, but uh, it all depends yeah. on those double headers and big box sets that count as four and all that boring stuff. As long as we don't waste our time on any other uh, like aimless ventures or anything like that. No more puppet master fiascos, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, I watch. I listen to those episodes. I don't bloody know why. I haven't seen a single movie. <laughs> I, I don't know why anyone listens. I don't know why we watched or those movies or recorded those episodes to begin with, but. <laughs> Here we I are. Remember, I remember how sad and sort of <laughs> depressed you were at the end of it. You sort of regretted regretted it all. It was it was such a waste of like <laughs> legitimately eight or nine days of my life, and one in one entire day, like yeah, a twenty you... hour day, was spent completely watching Puppet Master movies. <laughs> uh, and folks, you can listen to that in our full moon special from like la- last year, actually, at like four hour podcast that probably has like three views oliver friend of the show <laughs> ryan and maybe frank but probably corpse i was gonna say it sounds more like a corpse thing definitely. i think that's a corpse pick yeah but no yeah it's uh it's nice to have you on after mm-hmm. after so long we can put a face to your name now and you can see us for all our obese glory <laughs> which is apparently what a lot of people assume is that we're like two huge fat guys and i'm not saying that we're like real ripped and super masculine or muscular like i know i'm pretty handsome but i think jared's pretty surprising because he's like a normal looking guy but you wouldn't expect that i I don't know about you but when i heard jared i was looking expecting like phil specter oh i I wish (laughs) you wish you had that phil specter hair yeah what a presence But. It's destroyed all mental images, so I can barely remember what I assumed you looked oh, like. Wow. Damn, that's good. Or is that bad? I, I, think, mm. it's a, I think it's a bad thing. Also. I think I think I think it's bad. I think my mental image mm. was probably a little bit more 
Generous, maybe. Yeah. A little more tan, <laughs> a little bit more slim. No, you are, you're certainly, you're certainly more, RJ more tan than I assume. Might be the lighting. I don't know. You do have a... It's yeah, like... it's, I, I get that sometimes. It's a, it's that Hungarian blood. Mm. It just it really darkens up my skin and makes me like crave paprika and, I don't know, other Hungarian things. Right, Jarrett? <laughs> <That's>, yes, absolutely. <laughs> nice. Well, gents, I think we should move on to our emails and uh oh, let's see I what we did that oh yeah that whole thing so mm-hmm. let, let's see what we got here uh, uh returning emailer jackson from washington hey creeps mm. in hearing your discussions on comics and daniel klaus i found myself once again intrigued with what some might call indie comics and while the label does feel somewhat vague i was wondering which comics you might uh suggest mm. in the same realm as books like ghost world Additionally, what do you guys think makes a good documentary? <laughs> is it the ability to be as objective as possible, keep the viewer interested, or are there other components that reign supreme over these aforementioned aspects? Thanks, and keep mm-hmm. up this stellar work. Why, thank you, Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Daniel Klaus. Uh, Oliver, I know you are a comics reader. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that, that got, that's one thing I should want to – glad that you brought it up. Yep. Is our interests aligned? That's probably why I listen to. I enjoy the ramble, you know, the ramble beforehand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you sort of, as you can see, I, I mean, I've seen your bookshelf before. We had yep. a, a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, uh, Black Hole by Charles Burns is yep. probably my favorite graphic novel. And cool. uh, actually, I read it off before when I opened it because I was like, this just looks like Daniel Close. Mm. Is that how you pronounce his name? Close? Uh, I, uh, Klaus. I, I say Klaus, but it might be Close. I don't know. That's the that's the weird uh, thing Klaus. with uh, comic creators. It's like uh like Mike Mignola. I used to always call Mike Mignola, but Mike, yeah, yeah. Then I think I when I was listening to a podcast and they were like, oh, it's Mignola, and they were like, okay, but Mignola, Mignola. A- anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, comics. Um, I would say with uh, with Daniel Klaus and stuff like Ghost World, I would just keep reading Daniel Klaus comics. Uh, like read through all of his stuff. Uh, Chester Brown springs immediately to mind yeah. as uh, another one of those guys. Uh, Ed the Happy Clown. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, stop it's, after he gets into this his prostitute phase. Well, yeah, his last book was not paying for it. Actually, paying for it. Sorry, was really good. But his next mm-hmm. one about prostitution in the Bible, horrendous. Yeah. He just got oh, too into it. Oh, yeah. was it like? Well, that one I had like a whole. I actually liked that one. It was like. Um, it, he kind of like tapped into like this weird angle of like Christianity that I find strange where it's like, mm. it's like the stories just like make no sense. And he, uh, his way of like, I, like looking at that. Cause he's like, he was raised Catholic, I think. Um, probably. And, uh, so he's got some weird takes on it. And the, the one thing that's so disappointing with, uh, Chester Brown is he never finished his adaptations of the, um, the, the new Testament stories like Mark and Luke mm. and th- th- he was, those were getting weird and like very like, but they're only uh, in the comic issues of underwater and later issues of yummy fur. And they were never collected, which is uh too bad. Cause I've got those issues as I read them and I found them really fascinating, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Chester Brown, early stuff, particularly um, who else is, is Louis of- real book. I like, I don't, oh, oh yeah. Sorry. Keep going. No, that's all right. Um, <laughs> it. That's all Canadian history. I read the book. Yeah. It didn't do anything for me, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see why. I'm just looking back at the bookshelf. Uh, <laughs> That's a real Jarrett move. Yeah. yeah. Tim Lane. I don't know if you know, if you've read any of his books. Lonesome Go. Oh, and, t- Tim. Yeah. Um, what was his other book? Abandoned Cars. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's another guy that fits into that too. Uh, maybe not Thomas Lott. 
uh, like, yeah, like there's kind of like this in the nineties, there was this kind of like subset of like, kind of like all the guys, I guess we would consider indie comics, which I mean, I would kind mm-hmm. of throw your like drawing quarterly, your fantagraphics, uh, in indie comics, um, rather than like some people think image comics is indie. It's not dark horse. It's not, but I mean, it's some people mm-hmm. it's like, if you don't read, if it's not Marvel or DC, it's like all the little guys, um, market share wise, that's the case, but there's certain ways of the storytelling and drawing that to me speaks as indie comics or, uh, art comics, um, mm. yeah, I mean, if you look, go to Fanagraphics and Drawn Quarterly site and like click around on people's names and just take a look at their art. And if you like that art, read their comic, like just take yeah. a th- that's like the only way, like it's kind of hard. Like, I mean, I've worked at a comic store forever and, uh, I just take for granted. I assume a lot of people have read the stuff that, uh, I've read already. And so it's starting from scratch. Black Hole is a really good suggestion. Charles Burns yeah. definitely fits into that dark horror, like kind of, a art comic sort of vibe yeah you know it's like uh what was before ghost world his, like, like oh, a velvet, velvet glove cast an iron. Yep. yeah his bizarre creatures and stuff you could sort of definitely yeah. see in charles burns as well yes yeah absolutely i mean yeah they're contemporaries um and then like kind of on the maybe like more on the ghost world side of like kind of a uh jaime hernandez's uh mm. rock love and rockets comics the uh, locust mm. stuff with making don't, don't just don't 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 do it uh <laughs> If you can see, you can see my bookshelf behind me. If you look at half of one of those shelves, it's Love and Rockets. You, yeah. you buy one and then realize that series is not stopping. It never and will. It just, oh, mm. It's too much to keep. I just wouldn't even. It's, it's fantastic. But yeah. I had to, this is the first time I've had to buy something like a, a guide to Love and Rockets with yeah. bloody family trees. and. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's too, it's too, it's too big. It's it's pretty sprawling, but man, it's because uh, I used to be a I used to be a it's a, I'm not sure if it's Gilbert or Hilbert, but uh, I like he was like I was drawn to him initially because I loved uh, David Lynch films, and mm-hmm. uh, and that, that his stuff was like that had that dark surrealism to it, but then finally when I sat down and read the Jaime comics, I was just like, God damn it, these are just amazing. Like when you get to the end of Love Bunglers, it's like this is like absolutely one of the best comics like mm-hmm. ever, and he makes it look so easy. Um, mm. but yeah, those would be like kind of good starting points, I think. Uh, but I mean, like it, it doesn't end. I have thousands of books, uh, in the room behind me and, uh, I don't know. It all depends. It's a matter of taste, I suppose. But yeah, I just start reading, read, reading mm. comics is the best thing you can do. Get stuff out from the library and then buy the stuff you really like that you want to reread. Don't go, don't, don't make the mistake I did, which is collecting this stuff where you just have mm. to. Yeah own every single thing that anybody makes even if it's bad you just wind up with it <laughs> I'll, I'll chuck some advice in there which i've screwed up so many times is buy the first of a series read it if you enjoy it buy it as you go along don't buy a whole series yeah. mm. and then decide reading it like i've been burnt so many times like why the last yeah. man what a piece of crap it hasn't aged well yeah <laughs> no it's so comic-y it's like oh turns out his girlfriend's now in russia and he's she's on a uh mm-hmm. submarine and she's yeah. heading to australia where he happens to be it's just it's such a lot of crap and that, yeah. and that and yeah the it read really well issue to issue but I've, i remember trying to reread my comics of it like several years ago and i was like oh yeah i don't know about this brian k vaughn stuff i don't know if it age is incredibly great mm-hmm. just, he's got like a weird quirkiness to his writing and stuff that's like it, it, in comic form one bu- month one month installments it's it's manageable but in book form mm, i don't know no. hey rj what, what do you think you got any thoughts on comics? i got some thoughts okay baby <laughs> hey uh i was gonna say jared who wrote the furry trap because i can't oh josh, josh simons 
Okay, yeah, because that's some pretty dark stuff. Yeah, that's like, again, that's like more like if you're into the horror end of the comic mm-hmm. stuff, which I think uh, at least you and I definitely are. Mm-hmm. Um, th- well, if we're talking easy, horror easy. stuff. But I guess yeah, like, like, like with Ghost World, I guess it's more like the maybe like not even slice of life, but like, I mean, just like, yeah, I would say read through Daniel Klaus, read like, cause maybe you might really like David boring and then might want to go down mm-hmm. a completely different route. One just rings a bell. Adrian, I don't know his pronunciation. Yeah. Has he, he's, he's different to Daniel Klaus where I think Daniel Klaus has gotten worse as time goes on. He's mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. a ghost world and then, and then dropped down where I think Adrian told me the opposite. He's terrible when he started and his books get better and better. Yeah, Depends he, on who you ask. Shia LaBeouf is a pretty big Daniel Carter. <laughs> <supporter. laughs> sure is. He is, right? Yeah, yeah. he ripped, ripped him off completely. To the point yeah. of plagiarism. But um, I would say, Jared, because I read some comic books, and I've mentioned before, but uh, this isn't just because it's my favorite that I would mention anyways. I would have. But if he likes Ghost World, I would check out like some Jeff Lemire stuff, like maybe Essex County. I think would be that's like the most grounded of his things, I think, where it's just tales from like rural Canada. Uh, that's one of my favorite of his. Yeah, um, his all of his stuff is great, like his independent stuff that he writes and draws himself. But I think Essex County would be the one I would recommend that would fit in like uh, uh, for like his most his most personal stuff, because it's just. I don't know, stories about people growing up. There's nothing like fantastic about it or anything like that. It's just good storytelling about people living in the community. So yeah. that would be my one recommendation, I guess. Uh, I guess the other part of his uh, email oh. here was about documentaries. What makes a good documentary? Oh, um, I maybe will get into that because that's all I watched this week other than Solaris stuff was uh, do- documentary. So maybe I'll get into that later and we can talk about it at that point. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, you guys sure. have brought it up so many times about docos. Basically, the subject matter is always better than the actual filmmaking. I'm sure you're going to bring that up. Uh, yeah, I think so. Usually. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, yeah, it doesn't – good subject matter doesn't make a good doco. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's true. Uh, all right, next up, Justin Peterson uh, with another email. Here again from sunny Sorry, South creeper. Carolina. I hope you guys are doing well and had plenty of caffeine when you watched Solaris. I heard somewhere Oof. that Tarkovsky intentionally made the first 30 minutes really slow to get people that were not into slow burn movies to leave the theater before getting the plot moving. His film The Mirror is my fave. Hopefully they will add it to the collection someday. I wanted to share that it has been about a year since I first discovered your show when I was searching for analysis on the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie on YouTube. A couple questions for my bros in Criterion watching. Number one, how often do pick selections from the Criterion Laserdisc collection have on the show? What will be your next movie from that grouping? Interesting question, Justin. Uh, I don't you... think we should answer that because it actually has already been decided. Yeah. Uh, you can talk about the selection process a little bit, Jared, but uh, I don't think we should mention when we're going to do that yeah. because we were going to surprise people. Yeah, yeah, geez, buddy. Uh, yeah, it, there's a process. Uh, it's it, it goes in order like anything else. And mm-hmm. soon. Uh... Soon. Let's say soon. Uh, I, would, I would say originally it started out of um, just um, not coincidence. Your, but your like, ignorance? Sure. <laughs> but it also it, it just kind of lined up like um, Kong Skull Island came out and uh, the next up for us in the Laserdisc was King Kong. So it was like, oh, why don't we do it at the same time? And it was like stuff like that. It was kind of it's a wonderful life was the the next one we were supposed to watch. And uh, we hadn't 
that was before Christmas. We hadn't done one in a while, and we're like, well, let's do it at Christmas then. Mm-hmm. You guys right? are assholes. You, you, I, I sort of get prepared a week early, you know, and I'll, I'll watch. Oh, this is up next. We listen to the episode, and up next, Laserdisc. You're like, you fuck. <laughs> well, so that that's the thing. It's like we don't. We don't actually have like a super hard set schedule to that because usually we'll go two, three months and it'll just be what is planned. And then if it's like by chance, we're like, oh, whatever, let's let's just dip back in the laser disc. It's our selection. It's planned, but it's also, I would say, completely random. So <laughs> one of one of the best New Zealand films is the laser disc only uh, once we're warriors. Okay. Horrendous, horrendous watching. But, but I think it's way too far down the list anyway. But mm-hmm. I've yeah, that's a that. way way slower going uh, endeavor than the other ones. We only have eight currently in the Laserdisc collection, so yeah. it happens. It'll happen. Yeah. Number two, what is the next selection in the creep you are dreading the most, and the one you are most excited for? I know Jarrett's. Yep. Can I say? Go for the it. Monterey Pop Festival. Yep. <laughs> uh, Jarrett has been dreading this thing. For an extremely long time. Little does Jarrett know. Actually, no, wait, he does know this. Little do you people know. I've actually seen the Monterey Pop Festival. So I I have a, a real joy and delight into bringing this uh, this piece of cinema to Jarrett. So that that's his most dreaded. Um, I don't know. Jarrett could probably say mine. What's a real rough movie that you know all <laughs> I know. I know what yours will be. What? Uh, I, I, I frequently look at wiki and you know just view the list to see what number 200 is or something like that the yeah. next um uh, shakespearean movie by Lawrence olivier oh, richard the third and it's it, yeah and it's it's long oh god <laughs> i actually yeah i don't look i don't look forward to that at all i found a dvd copy of the criterion at a uh used like a like a christian charity place like a few months ago mm. <laughs> it was like the new version of it too i Actually, so I just looked. For some reason, I feel like even before that, I, di- Jared, didn't you say one time that Umbert, uh, Umberto D is a movie I would not like? I think it'll make you sad. Oh, okay. It's not a anti-RJ pick, though? No, no, no. It's not, like, okay. it's not, it's not one of those uh, types of movies. Okay, let's go with Richard III then. And then, oh, look, not too far after that, we have another Fellini film. Absolutely yeah. horrible. Oh. And then whenever a Dolce Vita comes up, I'm really not looking forward to that fucking thing. <laughs> That's a ways away. Uh, Still. Yeah. <laughs> Still. I'm really looking forward to the next movie, to be honest. I haven't watched it since a teenager. Man, Man bites bites dog. Dog. I don't want to spoil it because it's the mm. end of the episode thing, yeah. but I'm really looking forward to seeing that well, again. If people look ahead, they can figure out what our schedule yeah. We do go in order, so... Mm-hmm. As Jared mentioned, yeah, uh, yeah. most for something I'm excited for. Mm, uh, I guess I'd say like rewatching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's been forever since I've seen that movie. I'm curious how it holds up now, but uh, I'm gonna hit you with something even crazier, Jared. Whoa. You know what I'm excited for? What? And like maybe within a year, we're gonna be hitting that John Cassavetes box set. Hmm. Which is not something you would be like, but why are you excited? Because I own that fucking thing. It was gifted to me once, and I've never watched it because I was like, it was always like, well, that's not too far away in the Criterion. So I was, I was always like, I'll wait. So I've been, I've been sitting on that thing for like two, three years, and I've been waiting to watch out of it. Is that that's Killing my... of a Chinese Bookie? Is that? Yeah, that's, yeah, in, that's there. in there. I've always wanted to see yep. that film, probably just because yep. I like the title. I liked it. And the poster looks cool. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very evocative title. Uh, oh, uh, what's funny is uh, I just realized that there's the Adventures of Antoine Doniel uh, oh. episode coming up, which requires a, a rewatch, RJ, of one of your favorite films, The 400 Blows. What do you mean requires? I'm not going to rewatch that fucking movie. Well, it's it's part of the all, what is it, the five-part tale of Antoine Donnell in The 400 mm. Blows is the beginning nah, of it, RJ. <laughs> no, put it as a Patreon goal. If we get um, a thousand patrons <laughs> or something, I'll do a live screening of 400 Blows. Okay. Actually, no, wait, switch that. Whatever the Savo <laughs> promise is, put 400 Blows there and the, then put the Savo live screening feed of me as like a thousand patrons. Yeah. Or better yet, make it if we ever get endorsed by the Criterion Collection, then I'll rewatch Savo. Okay, oh, that's pretty fair, right? You can at them about that. I at them all, at all the time. They never reply to me. I wonder why. Uh, and the next question is: One of you a graphic artist? I love your channel art with that grody-looking C mixed with the original mm-hmm. Criterion DVD art. Um, I might be not really. Uh, a friend of mine cleaned up the original artwork that I had made for to make it nice and slick. And they are, uh, I would describe a graphic artist. Uh, I'll like, I'll interject a little bit. Jared's trying to be coy and humble, but uh, he did design the original logo. He drew it and all that. And then he had a friend come in and just uh, smooth it out. So uh, that was on Jared. And uh, if you enjoy his art, you can follow him on Instagram. He has a less interesting Instagram than the creeps one, which I think everyone can agree is the pinnacle of Instagram, uh, which you're, people know. Yeah, your Dennis, your Dennis the Menace uh, memes have been really uh, firing up our Instagram. They've been they've been burning out there, man. That one this week, that one. The only thing though is I should have saved it because I don't know if I can top that. So I think we <laughs> peaked. We better we better just shut down the Instagram for good. Yeah, it was a good one. People thought it was funny. Oliver, are so, you yeah, are, are you an Instagram fan? <laughs> nah, nah, I don't use Instagram. Yeah, there you go. I was look, trying to look up your one because you always talk about drawing, but I yeah. didn't realize you posted it in any way. Oh, yeah. That's where, that's where I put all my uh, photos oh. of my what's, sketchbook. What's your, what are talking about at me? What's your at thing? Oh, it's, at, at, it's uh, Jared Duncan. I'm very imaginative I, that way. I think if you go to the Criterion oh, I Creeps. Jared. Uh, Jared. Yeah, everyone always calls him Jared. Double R, If double you go D. to the Criterion Creeps instagram we only follow 10 people and one of them is Jarrett, so you can find them on there there you go onward finally how important is historical accuracy for you when watching a movie for me Mm. personally i could care less i just want to watch a great movie so uh, so what that braveheart is not accurate is it still amazing (laughs) or it is still amazing what say you see that seems to be pandering to you rj um Uh, yeah yeah well (laughs) I, i don't know Watching movies for historical accuracy, I I usually mm-hmm. assume that it's not going to be there, but I'd like a baseline of reality. I don't want like fundamental things to be changed around that completely change what you're actually watching. You're kind of like like so that you need to have some truthiness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, for but I mean, yeah, for the most part, if you want to get the real story, read a book. Um, even that, mm-hmm. you know, can be not accurate either or watch a documentary something along those lines but yeah usually i think uh being caught up in a movie is uh more important i guess ultimately because you can like kind of go oh, i still like this movie i know it's kind of bullshit but i still like the movie That's, mm-hmm. is that fair uh yeah i would say i would say it's depending what they're doing if if they're marketing it as like a historical film then i'd be like yeah i would expect it to be accurate 
but uh, since one of you, there are very few of those that exist. So, yeah, I'm cool with Braveheart being the way it is. I don't give a shit that William Wallace was actually like a real piece of shit guy and like wasn't he like real dumb and didn't know how to do stuff. <laughs> But in like Braveheart, he's like speaking like multiple languages oh, yeah. and he's just like, oh, yeah, look at me go. Yeah, yeah, like I don't care about that. Like I know that they did market that as historical as well. So maybe I just talked myself into a circle. I don't know. I don't care if it's a good movie. I don't care if it's a bad movie. Then I might have an opinion. Yeah, I don't. Gi- How's I don't that sound? Give a sh- I don't give a shit unless they're trying to prove something. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, if, exactly. they're, if they're trying to prove something happened but or or. Listen, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to explain it without doing the classic uh, Criterion Creeps, um, not racism. What's the word? Mm, uh, racism. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we watched a movie uh, about a black clown, and it was mm. a, a in the France uh, in the 20s or something like that, and about a struggle of his life. And it was all about, I think, the idea of the movie was racism and things like that. And then you look up the real story, and it just wasn't like it at all. Right. And they're trying to prove a point with a historical movie, but they just made it all up. So, ah, uh, yeah, that's mm. uh, that's some trash. Mm. Trash. Yeah. And also, I want to oh. say I I do not endorse any pictures on um, this Instagram <laughs> I just opened. I don't want any involvement. Oh, I'm taking lots of pictures of you. Is that what we were talking about? No, the uh, Jared. My the, my uh, drawings. Of, of oh, sort of I see. Man bodies with. Mm. Dinks. I, I, I misheard you, and no, I'm not taking pictures of you. <laughs> Ignore that. Anyways, damn good work, creeps. Chat with you more next week. Thank you, Justin. And onward, Sam Sanchez. Hey again. Mm. Thanks for the Hong Kong recommendations, Jarrett. I coincidentally had just watched Holy Flame of the Martial World the night before last week's podcast went live, but hadn't mm-hmm. logged it yet on Letterbox. It was great. I actually have already seen both One Arm Swordsman and the sequel. Enjoyed both a lot. Writing Wrongs has been on my list and is coming up very quickly, likely in the next couple of days. I actually hadn't realized that the alternate title for writings, Writing Wrongs was Above the Law and is a Dragon Dynasty DVD. I actually have owned for probably over a decade now, unwatched. Uh, that was the same for me, actually, before I watching that. Uh, a few recommendations from the ones I've been watching that seems you haven't logged, which means I haven't watched it because I impulsively say I've watched everything that I have watched. So, Zoo, Warriors from the Magic Mountain. If you liked Holy Flame of the Martial World, worth checking out. Dangerous Counters of the First Kind, another uh, Soy Hark movie, pretty brutal. Is that an alien pick? Uh, no. I don't know. Oh, it kind of sounds like it would be, right? But it's not. RJ, and he says, RJ would not approve. Uh oh. Yeah, I think so. Like, he knows. Yeah, I actually, I, I have this kicking around on a computer somewhere, and I remember like trying to watch it. But I was like, I like to watch a movie on my TV, and uh, I—that's one of the issues with subtitles—is getting those to work properly. And uh, a film *Dreadnought*, a martial arts movie with some slasher elements, silly but awesome. Uh, I think my friend Corey has seen that, and he also recommended it. So I will get on to that. Keep it up, guys. And uh, mm. finally, Frank Solano. Uh, with an email entitled, Finally, a Worthy Opponent. Hello, <laughs> hello, creeps and guest creep. Hope you guys are having a good week full of sunshine and birdsong. I'd like to start by thanking the guest host for taking on Solaris. I had planned on doing mm. it, as I'm a fan of Tarkovsky, but I'd always had a doubt in the back of my mind. Something about Solaris looks so unappealing to me. Maybe it's the <laughs> actors or the setting, but anyways, mm-hmm. the point the is... <laughs> uh, just so many, like... <laughs> 
preludes here. So many the, things. Yeah. The, the point is that you saved me from Solaris, and for that, I am grateful. If I ever watch it, it will depend on the reviews here on the show. Oh, man. Sp- <laughs> Speaking of the podcast, congratulations to Jared and RJ for convincing someone else to be on the pod. I'm no longer right. the sole Patreon guest on the show. That means that, according to a, a Mr. Corpse, you'll be kissing someone else's ass for those 50 bucks. <laughs> what, what this huh? also means is that depending on how well this episode goes, I'll have to one-up it, uh, one it the next time I come on. You, guest host, mm. have now become my rival. Finally... <laughs> I have a question for you three. If there were two films that you could erase off of the face of the earth, which films oh, would they God. be? Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sabo, maybe? Uh, Jarrett, you are not allowed to say capes. <laughs> have a good time, guys. I'm looking forward to this episode. Don't let me down. So uh, what, what, how about it, gents? Uh, firstly, oh, sorry. Firstly, uh, yeah. it wasn't you guys that got me on. It was Frank's call out saying See? You know, he was mm-hmm. He called. I'm pretty sure he called me out specifically at one point. Yeah, I think. Um, he, yeah, probably. I think so. Uh, I think he, and so he it was his. Josh. And it was how well I should say it was how well Frank did that sort of was like okay, if this guy can do it, I can do it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's all you, buddy. <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice to hear. Uh, before you go, Jared, thanks to everyone who emailed in. Jared was reading them so fast, I didn't have a, a chance to say that, but that's nice. In terms of movies, I would like to delete from history. I'm gonna to have to look for a while, but yeah. What what else did Frank say, Jared? I feel like there was one more question in there. That was it. That, that, oh, that was that, it. That was the question. Yeah. Do Do you have any movies you would like to delete from history, Jared? Well, I'm just looking at my half star movies, mm-hmm. and I'm weighing which ones I'd like. Say this: the world would be a better place without them. Uh, one of them, actually, is a coincidence, is a uh, Oliver pick. <gasps> one uh, that, that is pottersville from uh 2017 Aww. oh my god um that film is like i still think Pretty about good. like just sheer incompetence and like how mm. this thing got made like it is truly all those things it's just uh it baffles me and it's like yeah the world would just be it wouldn't miss it uh, it would be one less thing that's on Netflix, uh, mm-hmm. and it's like it would. I think probably all the actors involved probably would be fine with it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be my. Uh, that would be one of my picks. It'd be yours. Uh, I would say Salo, but I guess I'll go with. Um, I'll go. I'll hit you with two. Curse of the Puppet Master, because that was one of the mm-hmm. worst movies I've ever seen yep. in my entire life. And then uh, let's go with the shit Garris pick, Riding the Bullet. Yeah. which is another one of the worst movies I have ever seen in my entire life. So those are those are my two picks. Quite bad. Quite bad. Dear Man, that's, that's too much hard of a question, but one that rang a bell is, uh, I think it might be a future creep, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, I just couldn't stand that bloody movie. That sounds and, good. Oh, it's, it's, your, oh, it's horrendous. It's like a musical, but... It seems like people don't really sing in it. They just sort of talk sing. Like, I'm walking out the door. Oh. I'm going down the stairs. Have you ever seen Woody Allen's uh, musical? I have not watched enough Woody Allen films. And I just like to claim, oh, it's because I don't personally believe in pedophilia, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> Good. No, but I hey, would that, like hey, to watch. That's a hard to be honest, stance. I like to watch more, but I like, but when people question, you know, that gap in my yeah. film knowledge, I just, I go for that. Yep. Um, it's a hard enough. stance, but I'm glad you're taking it. <laughs> Controversial, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. 
uh, Overboard, that was one that came up. That movie sucked, I guess. Yeah, there yeah, you go. It was sort of like a guy, it was semi-rapey. Oh. You know, pretended, <laughs> it was, you know that one? Kurt Russell pretended to be someone's husband to manipulate her for some reason. Oh, yeah, no, so she so she gets amnesia. It's um, Goldie Hawn. <laughs> I know Overboard. I'm I'm well familiar. Did you know that they just remade Overboard? Oh, yeah, that's right. So yeah, so she goes over. Um, she's like a rich person who lives on the yacht, and then Kurt Russell and his like garbage kids. They're like the cleanup crew. So she goes over. She gets amnesia, and then he convinces her that they're a family, so that his like garbage family can live on the yacht with her. <laughs> It's a classic '80s. Trope. It's 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 like Mrs. Doubtfire. When you sort of think about it more, you're like, no, no, this is criminal. This is like horrendous. Don't worry about those things, Oliver. <laughs> Don't worry about those things. Those won't those won't hurt you anymore. I have an interesting, or I have a, a follow up question though, because a while ago Frank has asked about. I can't remember if you answered or not. Movies that we have recommended that were total misses, and I know that you are pretty consistently uh one of the more wild cards that we have in Mm. terms of uh contributors to the podcast uh there are some times when your opinion is drastically different from us so are there any movies that we were big supporters of that you were just like what the fuck are you talking about uh that you could uh, erase out of the world oh erase out of the world honestly once again i'd have to (laughs) i'd have to do some research or just in Um, general is there any movies that just offhand you're like, man, those guys are wrong? All of Christopher Nolan. No, I'm not kidding. You guys are just. <laughs> I'm only joking. But you guys are such are such freaking fanboys. I I am. Jared's. I don't. I wouldn't include Jared on that. Jared's way warmer on, way more warm on him than I am. I think he's terrific. I love that guy. Uh actually, <laughs> uh, in defense, Interstellar does get uh, get better and better each time I watch it. To be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. Oh, I found my Kinda number. Like- I found my number two. Uh, Island of Doctor Moreau, uh, the John Frankenheimer one. That movie like killed my interest in watching movies for like months. Like I didn't watch Is that a movie the for Val Kilmer one. Yeah, that Val Kilmer yeah. one, RJ. It's well, re- isn't there more than one of those movies? Oh yeah, sure there is. Yeah, okay. they, they've been making those forever. But uh, yeah, that thing. Mm-hmm. Whew. I, is never, Marlon I, Brando in that? He is, as is like a weird nice. little person. That he has as his like <laughs> servant. It's a. Uh, it sounds like that would be like one of your movies, though. That's a real Jarrett pick. It should isn't have, it? it should have been, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that that thing hurt me. Well, what are you gonna do? Nothing. Oh, good. <laughs> so. So. So, uh, Oliver, what's your opinion on Val Kilmer? Love him. <laughs> I, have you seen? Uh, I hate when people bring up this, but have you seen that funny show? But that um, uh, life's Pop too secret. short. Life's too short with him in it, and life's uh, too short. It's a uh, oh god, all names will escape me. That's one thing I'm really bad at is recalling names. Um, does does he play you, a midget? You, no, he plays himself, but a midget's in it, so that's mm. close. A guy from uh, Star Wars and Warwick Davis. Yeah, yeah. With Richard Gervais. Warwick, yeah, yeah Richard Gervais shows. He brings Val Kilmer into an uh, office, and he's got a Batman mask on, and she's like, mm. and he's like, guess, guess who I brought in? And she goes, you know, George Clooney, and it was, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it. Oh boy. 
man. Easter special. We could I ruined, I ruined the joke, but it, it, was, it was very funny. She guessed pretty much every Batman before Val Kilmer. It was... Hey, I actually think he was a pretty good Batman. He has arms and legs ahead of George Clooney. Who we'll also be talking about tonight. We'll be, we'll be oh, talking. Excited. I have some opinions on George Clooney I want to bring up later. Yeah, I, I saw, I think. Hey, hey, hey. Don't spoil that, <laughs> yeah, okay? I, I won't step I'll, on your gimmick. I probably like George Clooney as much as you like Mel Gibson, maybe. So. Oh, really? Man. Well, you, I, uh, I have some things to say about George Clooney tonight. Not, not necessarily about who he is as a person, but uh, I think there was some suspicious stuff going on behind the scenes of uh, the Solaris reboot. All right. Then. Well, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um, so, RJ, huh? what have you been creeping on this week? Oh, boy. I'm just going to hit you with a few, Jarrett. I did a lot of movie watching again. I'm watching a lot of movies lately. Because you, cause you're done school. That's true. I have a, a little bit of time to myself this week. Uh, I've been reading a little bit. I've been doing other things. Am I doing things that matter? Not really. But uh, I'm enjoying my time off. So I watched, I've mentioned this before, but I watched uh, a movie from uh, Creep alumni Joe D'Amato. Uh, you know him from his hit movie Beyond the Dumpness or uh, all those ATOR movies that Jarrett likes or The Crawlers. I don't know. Big horror guy, right, Jarrett? Yeah, uh, yeah. Italian sl- schlockmeister, yeah. Schlockmeister. So he he dabbled in horror. He dabbled in high fantasy. He also dabbled in porn. Um, so this movie has my all-time favorite synopsis on Letterboxd. Uh, it's called Delizia. It is from 1986, and it, the entire synopsis, it just says Italian movie. Uh, I think that's hilarious, <laughs> Be, more than I can even describe how, how funny I think that is. So I've, ha- I've been sitting on this for a while, and this week, as Jarrett just pointed out, I had some time on my hands, and I was like, you know what? Why not? Why not watch Delizia? So I put it on, and uh, this movie had no subtitles. It was entirely in Italian. Uh, I don't speak Italian, but uh, I gave it my best. And uh, I think you'll be pleased to hear that um, there was no there was no loss of what was going on because I didn't speak the language. So you have this guy who's a photographer. He's dating a porn star, and by porn star, like not like full on hardcore porn she's like uh it's like playboy hustler type stuff so she's posing for pictures he takes them uh the playboys get out into all the community like they don't try to hide it so all the guys in town are are always like "Ooh, baby ooh, hot mama like jared does when i go out with him and so they're they're all really hot on it but then eventually the boyfriend starts to get kind of jealous and then him and his girlfriend go hang out at a chateau and then there's a new girl and a new boy, and they start to, like, flirt with each other. And that's all this movie is about, Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the softest of softcore porn, I, I would say. It's a lot of, like, girls in bikinis riding on mopeds. Uh, you do get one shower scene uh, with a peep and tom. Uh, and then you do get a makeout scene. And uh, that is about the extent of it. <laughs> uh, so you get some making out, you get some mopedin, and uh, other than that, Jarrett, there's um, there's not a lot going on with Delizia. That's about all all I can say about it. Huh? Have I interested you guys? Are you <laughs> rushing out to see Delizia? <laughs> no. Nope. Why did you watch it again? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. 
because I, I, I thought the I stumbled upon the letterbox because I was, oh, was it just the joke. description. It was just the description. The fact that all it says on there is Italian movie. I thought that was so funny. I was like, I want to see what this Italian movie is all about. And guess what, Oliver? It's not about much. <laughs> so anyways, you guys want to hear about other movies? Absolutely. All right. So, Jared, are you familiar with uh, Joe Bob Briggs? Yes, I am. Oliver, are you familiar with no. Joe Bob Briggs? No, no idea. So in the 80s, which I wasn't alive yet, uh, he did this thing called Monster Vision. And then I think maybe Terror Vision, but that was also a movie. But I think it was just Monster Vision, where uh, like Friday nights, he would host uh, movie marathons and he would show horror movies. And the way that it would work would be he would show like a movie or two movies. And after like 15 minutes, it would cut from the movie to him instead of like a commercial break. And it would be him kind of talking about the movie. He would give you like background information on how the movie was made, the actors, what those people actually thought about the movie. Uh, And like this was pre-internet days in the 80s. So I think a lot of the horror uh, like community back then, he was kind of like this golden god. Uh, I first heard about him from uh, James Rolfe of Cinemassacre. Because he was a big supporter of him. Uh, But so like that was what he did and that's what he was known for. And that ran for, I don't know, like not not quite 10 years, right, Jared? Like eight years or something like that. Monster Vision. Sure. Something like that. So anyways, this guy now, uh, he he's a character kind of like how you are, uh, where he he wears like um, cowboy shirts and bolo ties. And he kind of takes like. He's not like a right wing or something like that. He's just a cowboy. So he takes on a character and he just talks very uh, bluntly about movies um, when he does these marathons. So Shudder, the streaming platform, uh, has made a revival of this show. And it's, I think, three weeks in. And so on Friday nights, they're doing it where you can watch live. Or if you don't watch live, you can watch them like after they've already aired. And it's kind of the same deal where they watch two movies and then throughout the movie he'll stop it and he'll uh he'll talk about it so i actually watched this live and it was kind of a cool experience for me because uh i'm not too young like Jarrett would say sometimes uh, i do remember live television and commercials and things like that uh and it was actually kind of kind of brought back some nostalgia of watching something live that you can't pause i know that sounds really dumb but uh, it, it was like i was like oh this is nice because we haven't had cable for like three four years over here so Everything is like, I don't know, playable and pause, stoppable, whatever. So anyways, I watched this thing. Uh, I'm happy to report, Jarrett, that Joe Bob is uh, super fun. He uh, he had some sick jokes, some sweet burns. Uh, even Andy was watching, and uh, she thought some of his commentary was uh, really funny. He is. He's, he's really funny. And uh, I'm actually, the, I would say I'm most impressed with his ability to just speak without, like, He's not reading cue cards and he's almost not even blinking. He's just staring right into the camera and his eyes aren't like moving like they're reading a monitor. Like he's just speaking. And I was like, I'm sure most of this is just him going off. But I think a lot of this, too, is like he's he remembered these things. I was like, man, this guy's got some showmanship. Like I was really impressed by it, Jarrett. You don't get that on the podcast, but I stare directly at Jarrett too. So like, I was gonna say, just you're explaining yourself right now, just staring into the camera, talk, while, break, while talking, <laughs> while talking. Just is uh, this a Canadian? Is he a Canadian guy or American? Uh, American. American, yeah, uh, Texan. Yeah, so 
Yeah, like the, the male was... Elvira sort of style. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Kinda. Yeah, yep. red, redneck cowboy Elvira. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a, a great way to pin it. So on Shutter, it's uh, called The Last Drive-In, and uh, it's been on for a couple weeks. And he did movies like um, Chud and uh, <laughs> The Changeling, and like a, bu- a bunch of different things. So I watched this on Friday, and there was two movies. Uh, the first one was called Madman by Joe. Giannone. Is that how you say it, Jerry? <laughs> yep. Joe Giannone. Uh, so I actually came into this 20 minutes late. Uh, and because I couldn't rewind because it was live TV, I just went with it. Uh, and I pulled it on when it was at this infamous hot tub scene where these people are kind of circling over and over. Oh, see, Jared just pulled it off the shelf. There it is. There it is. It's got a pretty cool cover. Um, so Madman is like a summer camp slasher film. And, uh, Joe Bob was talking a lot about like the history to the show, like the directors, how they kind of like rushed this or not even rushed, but like, uh, how this guy, what he put into this movie and some of the cool aspects about it. Like there's a scene where a kid gets hanged on a tree. And then I guess like 15, 20 years later, the actors went back to the camp and the, uh, the setup, like with the rope on the tree was still there. Cause just no one had found it yet and it's like oh that's kind of cool so it's like a summer camp with a slasher uh the slasher's name is madman mars uh <laughs> apparently there's some kind of connection to cropsy that old uh like w- what even is that like an urban, urban legend? legend yeah 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 so it, it's like cropsy uh so i came into this thing late uh i was mostly there for the joe bob stuff he was really funny there are a few cool kills um a lady gets decapitated by uh, a truck hood like the hood of a car and it's a nice clean decap Uh, i was actually surprised there was a lot of gore in this like decapitated heads uh one scene that was awesome was he was just holding up this guy kind of like bane style about to break his back and i was like "Ooh, that's cool so I was really into that. Uh, but then we got to a 70s flick from Japan called Wolf Guy. Uh, now, Oliver, are you familiar with Wolf Guy? Yeah, I'm super familiar, but I've never been able to find a source for it. So, Well, it's on Shudder if, uh, if you want. Shutter, it's really affordable. It's like $3 a month. I think because I, I got a VPN and I think it'd probably be able to change to Canada. This Shutter's can is it Canadian or US? Uh, it's US. Yeah. It's both. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so, yeah, I should get it then. I, if you do VPN, I would say go to American because apparently there are some movies that aren't available in Canada because of all of our sticky stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Wolf Guy is based on like a manga from Akira or no. Who was the guy who wrote this? Jarrett? doesn't matter. So it's based <laughs> on like a manga where it's like a werewolf man from this lot, old tribe of werewolf people. But in this thing, he's like a reporter, but kind of a cop. And he stumbles upon this demonic rape revenge ghost uh so there's this lady who uh she was dating like an elite um socialist or not so a socialite guy who's like they're prepping to be like a politician so she was dating him but she was of low class uh so they hire a team or like his family hires a team of men to rape her and give her syphilis uh, but now it's many years later. She tries to kill herself. But when she tried to kill herself, Oliver, uh, a <laughs> demon of a, a panther uh, inhabits her body. So now she has panther demon abilities to strike back at the men who raped her simultaneously and concurrently. On the other side of town, we have Wolf Guy, who is 
part of this ancient tribe of werewolf people, but they didn't have money in this movie to do werewolf effects. So the way they worked around this was that on each of the full moons, he was just fully invincible. So when he would go out on full moons, he couldn't be stopped. He was just like this wicked kung fu badass. Uh, it was played by Sonny Chiba. Mm. Uh, so he he's going around. Uh, their paths cross. Uh, so he's trying to stick up for her. Uh, Joe Bob does a really funny thing about when they have like this love scene. Uh, I liked that quite a bit. This movie is pretty fucking wild. Like there's some crazy shit in this. Uh, the one thing that really took me off was, or not took me off, but like, I was like, whoa, I've never seen that before. So Wolf Guy is in like an apartment and this assassin comes in to kill the girl who has like the, the rape revenge ghost who's inhabited by a panther. So the assassin comes in to kill her. Sonny Chiba's like, no way, man. So they do some like kung fu on each other. And then uh, Sonny Chiba's win- winning. So the assassin reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a little white mouse and Sonny Chiba looks at it and then the guy kind of like lets it go and it runs across the floor and Sonny Chiba watches it as it goes and the assassin uses this distraction to um, lasso him with a noose to hang Sonny Chiba and I was really impressed by that I was like I've never seen anything like that there's like because I know about pocket sand but I've never seen like pocket mouse yeah, I was about to say pocket sand, but I don't want to sound like a big douche. But yeah, yeah no. <laughs> so I immediately what oh, I thought of. Oh, thank you. R- 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 RJ's fine with that, though. I'm fine. With, that's my role on this podcast. So he, he pocket sands it, but it's a pocket mouse. Uh, there's a lot of other really crazy stuff in this, but if you're actually interested, I just recommend you probably just watch this on your own. Uh, uh, if you do have hands, if you can get all like Shutter to watch the uh, Joe Bob version, I'd say it's definitely worth it because he talks about like. Uh, the background of the books and like how this movie kind of came about and why it is the way it is. So it was really interesting, actually. Is this an, does he interrupt the movie? Like you sort of mentioned ad break kind of stuff. Or is it's it, like, it's not it's bloody... like where it would be a commercial break. So right. you'll watch for like 10, 15 minutes and then it'll like, and it'll cut to him like in a trailer park sitting on a lawn chair. And then he'll talk about the movie for a while. Okay. So it's not an um, ongoing commentary. Yeah, I was no, hoping no. it wasn't mystery science theater yeah. style. No, no, which I, I prefer immensely because I think I've mentioned before, I'm not really a big fan of the mystery science theater stuff, but I do like this because you watch the movie as it is and then it's like it's where a commercial break would be. So if you do need to like get up and go to the bathroom or something, it's just Joe Bob talking. But those are probably I think that's what people are there to watch more even than the movie are his commentary stuff in between. So it's a. Uh, I, I just brought it up because I think I'm going to try to watch it again this Friday. Although they did just tweet on Shutter that uh, the last drive-in for this Friday, you'll only be able to watch one of the two movies because of copyright reasons. So that's... So why, why bother showing the other one then? It's just well, I guess in, in America, <laughs> His... which is the, the only one that counts, I guess yeah. they're, they're fine. <laughs> oh, Considered so small, I think, in, in their terms. But anyways, I want to bring it up because uh, I was... I thought it was really fun watching The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob, and uh, I will like to watch more. Uh, all the other ones are on Shutter, so I could watch them. He did Chud, which I mention all the time, mm-hmm. so uh, I might watch that one soon. But uh, yeah, it was really good. Wolf Guy was cool. Madman looked cool. I didn't see the whole thing, but I did like it. So, Jared, do you want me to tell you about my Easter pick, or should we just uh, move on? You can you can tell me about your Jesus. 
Okay, I, I won't be too long. So, uh, hey, Oliver, you uh, you heard of this guy named JC? He was a carpenter. He had some crazy ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so I've mentioned before, uh, I'm a good old Catholic boy. So uh, at Easter, you know, maybe I will pop on a, uh, a little Catholic Christian deal. So I watched this movie called The Robe, which uh, is credited as the first motion picture in CinemaScope. Is that true? I guess they're saying it. Uh, so this is, I actually think the idea for this movie is really cool. So it is a like Roman centurion guy, but he, he, he's actually a tribune. So he's above like just a guard and he gets sent to Israel and it is right at the time of Jesus's crucifixion. And he's not really into it. He's like, I don't care about this Jesus guy. Uh, the emphasis on Jesus is very, uh, it's not on him at all. You never see him. You just see him carrying the cross, but like you never see his face or anything like that. You just see him get crucified. And then you see at the bottom, like our main character, he's one of the guys playing dice, like underneath uh, Jesus's crucified body. And what happens is he ends up winning the robe that Jesus was wearing. So the movie, the robe, okay, I know this sounds crazy. I know this sounds crazy, but it was actually really good. So he wins the robe and then when he takes the robe, he goes through like an existentialist crisis where he's just like, wait a minute, was it wrong to kill all those people? And so the rest of the movie is him kind of like, he's just like, am I a bad guy? <laughs> and it's all that. So regardless of the religious connection at all, I would say this movie has uh, really amazing sets like really beautiful sets and uh, wardrobes and stuff like that. It's a lot of the mix where it's like the painted ba- uh the whole background is painted of like a landscape. And then they put the sets in front of them, like Ben, uh, I don't know, Ben, her, one of those movies, Jerry, <laughs> uh, I, I don't uh, know. Uh, Spartacus perhaps. Yeah. Spartacus. So uh, this movie like looks incredible and it's played, it's played pretty straight. I actually kind of like the story. Um, I would say the biggest downfall to this is the actors are kind of bad. Mm-hmm. So the lead is Richard Burton. Oh. Um, and he's he's fine. But uh, the way that they play off of each other a little bit, you're kind of like, ugh, it's real John Lovitz like acting <laughs> stuff. John Lovitz. So uh, that was my Easter pick for the year. I, I actually liked it quite a bit. Um, it's not going to like. It ain't going to blow your dick off, you yeah. guys. But if you were in the mood for uh, something that had really elaborate, uh, extravagant sets, and you're like, you know what? Maybe I do want to see what JC was talking about. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. So that's it. I'm done. I, tr- I hope I didn't take over too much of the time like uh, I've I've been known to do. Not at all. Not at all, RJ. Yeah. Oliver, what have you been mm-hmm. creeping on this week? I've actually also watched a Christian film. Nice. Uh, not on purposely for Easter. If I, if it was, if I was going to do it. I would have watched Ten Commandments. Um, okay. But I watched a film. Hold on. Let me get my notes. Oh, I, I, can, I, can hear, I can hear the rustle of paper. Yes. Is that Jared? A professional. I watched uh, Stravinsky and the Mysterious House. Ooh. It's a 2012 <laughs> film by David Hutter. Um, it's a kids, 30 minute animated movie and basically the main reason why i watched it is there was a meme of the main villain who was called himself glow glob glow gab galab 
don't know if you've seen, <laughs> no, seen that. Is, but that, is he, that accurate? <laughs> yes, he just he just it's in the Bible. Uh, oh. He describes himself as the yeast of thoughts and minds. Wow. <laughs> so, but basically, a mouse goes to an abandoned house uh, full of books. The Gogo Glab Galab is a guy that has read too many books, which is the main theme of this movie. Uh, books are bad for you. Basically, oh, it's an anti-book okay, yeah, film. I, I see where it's going. Yeah, and yeah. so he turned into this big fat logo glab glab. Uh, yeah, because he basically read too many books. And he he literally stands on books and absorbs their knowledge. Oh, that's like Meteor Man. You ever seen that one, <laughs> Oliver? What? It rings a bell, but I'm not sure. I'll send you a link. Keep talking. Um, and the, another theme of the movie is you should give up all your free will. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yep. It's it's interesting because it's not. It's obviously a Christian film, but it's uh, it said it's inspired by movies like, um, or I assume books like The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. I think it was The Lord of the Rings and then The Parables of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was horrendous. Uh, <laughs> that sounds great. Tell us I more. Would say, yeah. All right. So I watched uh, Sorry to Bother You, which is 2008 by Boots Riley. Mm. Uh, I mentioned that uh, each year there's sort of twin films, like I said, Volcano and Dante's Peak. Uh, this mm-hmm. one being the white voice film. Yes. Like uh, Black Klansman of the same year. Yeah. Uh, but I, I preferred this just absolutely so much more. The main reason why is with a movie like Black Klansman, it was satire of, uh, well, not so much a satire, but it was about basic the current political situation in America, yep. but using mm-hmm. 70s America to describe it, you know, like, and like that ending and certain things they say in the movie, they mentioned the president at some point where you just know, okay, they're blatantly talking about Trump. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but with, uh, sorry to bother you. It's so, it's so over the top. The satire is so hard hitting that you don't get any of that. Oh, you know, I get it. Spike Lee, you know, <laughs> with this movie, it's over the top that you, you, it gets to the emotion of what I think it feels to be basically a black in uh, America and mm-hmm. especially corporate white America. So it's about a guy, Cassius Green, who is a telemarketer and makes his way up the company by putting on a white voice. Mm. Um, and you learn later on that uh, once he gets up to, I can't remember what they call it, but sort of the hot callers or something like that. They get, he goes upstairs to the yeah. top callers. Yeah, literally upstairs. Yeah, yeah, through a golden elevator. I, yeah. See, that's the kind of stuff I like. Like, it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, uh, and so he mo- goes on upstairs, um, and you find out that he's selling slaves, basically. Well, it's like arms dealer, and then but then it's like there's the other element of, like, what the company's doing, right? Well, the, the yeah. company sells... There's uh, throughout the movie. There's like an infomercial for is it well a wellness center or something like that where where basically it's like you can live here rent free and work mm-hmm. yeah uh, and there's there's you know no stress no problems and it's basically slavery so he's selling that as a workforce to other companies nice and I read the movie as basically yeah what it's like being black in America in a white corporate world and the main character sort of having to give up his blackness to make it further. Because his main friend in the upstairs company is also a guy who puts on the white voice as well. And and sort of as soon as he tries to revert back to his original voice, he goes, no, no, we don't do that here. We just do white. We just do the white voice. Mm, that's kind of like this podcast. 
Yeah, well, like I think exactly. We're all putting on our. Oh, you got to put on the white voice. People don't want to know Jared is a like a Filipino man. And you <laughs> so have, stop listening. Um, and you have Hungarian descent. You've, I mean, you oh. mentioned it, so you probably cut that bit out. Basically, we, we're gonna have to edit all of that out because if anyone finds out I'm Hungarian, they're gonna be like, "Weren't they selling slaves a while ago?" <laughs> Which I think was a real thing that happened in Hungary like a year or two ago. Really? But I think so. Yeah, there was some kind of like weird underground slave trade in Hungary. But I don't know. I've never been there. I just need cabbage rolls. <laughs> Am I digging deeper, Jarrett? Oh, my God. <laughs> you like it. Sorry, I derailed you. Keep talking yes. about uh, Sorry to see, Bother You. See, Oliver, this is the Criterion Creeps experience, the, the derailment that RJ causes. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's the real deal. It's not a, it's not a show. I do just and, and, talk when I think. As a fan, it's very funny, but as being on it now, you're just like, oh, this, this is tough. All right. What, what <laughs> yep. Good to know. Hungarian slave trade. All right. Yeah. Kind of curveball. Um, I think one of the most poignant scenes in the movie, but also the most funniest in an embarrassing way that why I was laughing so hard, is he gets invited to the party with a big corporate who's obviously trying to, is sort of like your Apple or more, uh, your Amazon, I, I would assume. What's his name? Jeff Bezos, CEO. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. And he gets told, hey, man, can you rap, like, just rap for everyone? And the guy's like, no, no, I, I don't rap. And he has to put on, he puts on this rap, and it's, it's just horrendous. And it results to him just dropping the N-bomb over and over again and everyone repeating it back to him. I don't know. And I just, Ooh. yeah, it's, it's a horrendous scene, but it, it just felt so real because mm-hmm. I like those hardcore metaphors because, like I said, it gets to the feeling of the experience, not just, you're not just viewing it, you, you sort of, can understand it fully yeah i don't know if that makes sense it does to me i haven't seen it but uh, i get it it's a really hard recommend i i really i don't know i really enjoyed that movie no but, garrett liked it too i think yeah i thought it was like i thought it was okay i mean i kind of like from a filmmaking standpoint so because like the i can't remember the name of the director uh but he's, so he's like Riley. yeah so he's like i think it was yeah, his Bo- first yeah, movie it's his first movie but it's like so he's like 50 or something like that. So he's like starting like late in life making films after like doing a music career. So it's like the movie looks pretty accomplished for like a uh, first feature film, I guess. Because mm. um, he was, he, I think he did music videos probably prior that he probably shot for himself and probably for like other people. What does that mean? What's that? Nothing. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Um, so I mean, it, it, but it felt like a first film. Um, to me, so I, I guess because like kind of like noticing like, oh yeah, this is like I feel like. A movie from like the early two thousands, like it just it had that kind of vibe to it that I guess I just no. don't necessarily want in movies that I'm watching for the most part. Like I like the movie fine, but like there's nothing there uh, beyond like kind of like the big revelation in the movie that I think is worth checking out the movie for just for that alone. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's worth watching for sure, but yeah, I don't know if I'm I was like over the moon for it as much. I guess mm. I wish I sort of doesn't get brought up too much because I think in, I don't know, marketing or reviews, I found out pretty early on that uh, it's a farce, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wish I didn't know that. And then so the big reel you mentioned, mm-hmm. I knew, I knew, you know, I, I, it's not that I didn't, I didn't expect it, but I, I wasn't surprised by it. And I, and I wish I was. And it's interesting you say the director's an old guy because I assumed... I mean, a name like Boots Riley. I knew I knew he was a musician, so I probably should have assumed he's an older 
musician, but I found it like it, it felt like a really new voice to me. In your fast, absolutely. But um, yeah, how, how, I'm look up how old Boots Riley is. Maybe he's not like this hundred uh, year old man. He's like only like 23, dude. 40, 40, yeah, not- he's 48. Oh, okay. I just make you, stuff up. You're definitely not surprised when you reading up about after that that it was his uh, first film because technically like you're right it's not it's not all there um but just the mood of it and i just thought it was i don't know it was i thought it was awesome yeah i'll move on to a murder party by jeremy i don't know how they even oh, Solnier. yeah there you go uh, director of blue ruin fantastic green room iffy and then that piece of shit netflix movie yeah uh, hold the dark i don't think if you like it just <laughs> I, I was pretty pretty soft on that but uh yeah. i i'm pretty confident in my pronunciation jeremy Sonye. it's the same Sonier. as Watiti. <laughs> i get them all right all you the can, time you can pronounce it like that just don't say afterwards which ollie helped me uh learn how to i would like to just <laughs> emphasize that oliver granger is my personal vote voice personal coach. Mori. Yeah, yeah he's not so tell me about uh, uh, Jeremy Sonia. I'm surprised you guys haven't seen it, to be honest, because I thought maybe after mm-hmm. you're watching Blue Ruin, you're like, oh, yeah, shit, maybe yeah. I should check it out. I've, um, I've, been af- I've been afraid to watch it for the kind of like actually maybe similar reasons to like my issues with Sorry to Bother You. It's like, it's like oh, mm-hmm. this is his first film. These are mm-hmm. usually uh, – it's either like someone like knocks it out of the park and it's brilliant or it's like very like, oh, yeah, they're figuring stuff out. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's what's put me off of it. It's, it's on Netflix and has been for like years, yeah. but I've always been like, I don't know, this might just be okay. But yeah, continue. <laughs> is there anyone? Is there anyone who's knocked it out of the park and actually being continually good? Coen Brothers, Blood Simple, mm-hmm. uh, comes to mind. Yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there is like, but there's like, it's like a like that list is like those are like the exceptional types. Like a uh, P.T. Anderson, I think, with like Hard Eight, I think, did pretty good. Uh, arguably, yeah. uh, Tarantino with Reservoir Dogs. They're they're oh, yeah. they're out there. Right, but you're like, right. Yeah. There's there's quite a bit. As long as you don't review the film, uh, I watched an old shitty Kubrick film, one of his first ones. Oh, this oh, Kubrick guy. I oh, bet he's short. I bet he's gonna make it in Hollywood. You're saying? <laughs> well, he he didn't want that uh, fear and desire out there either. Yeah. And why I should have listened to him to be honest. Uh, but anyway, yeah. uh, murder party is about a guy who gets invited to a murder party. Basically, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a. Ra- I, I might have looked away when I saw it, but I'm pretty sure the invitation just sort of came to him in the wind. He's uh, that's a loser. That's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, he's some sort of loser that lives at home with his cat. And he seems like a nice guy. Hmm. He turns up to this murder party. It's on Halloween, so that's why I thought you might have watched it. It's a good. It's definitely good October watching. Maybe, uh, maybe this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I, this year. Yeah, I'll get there, but I, I would definitely recommend it. So he arrives at this party, and pretty quickly, I'm I'm glad it doesn't skirt around the issue. Uh, it is a murder party. They're literally he's there literally to be murdered. Right. Oh, good. Uh, by a group of art students, and that's where I think the movie may be divisive. Mm-hmm. they're murdering him as some sort of meta art project. I think they're all students looking for a grant. Oh. And so there's some of that, <laughs> some of that classic that we haven't seen before critique of the art world. I don't know if you've ever seen any movies like that. Mm, Ch- yeah. Chains, Buzzkill or oh, whatever. The fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Uh, some of that. So some of that stuff can be really hit and miss. Uh, but it's it's got a, all you want from him. You you could assume it's going to be super gory. Yep. I think his Blue Ruin actor is in there. I'm pretty sure he's been in all his films. Macon Blair. Yeah. The yeah. guy that's like 
you, when you look at him, you think he's not an actor. He's just someone's friend. He's, he's just some he, guy. He, he literally does look like that. Yep. Yeah, he's a, sort of normal. That's kind a good of dude. description. That is Macon Blair for sure. Yeah, cool dude, like, though. It seems like. Oh, is he good in one of those guys you read up about, and he's not so bad in real life? I don't know. It sounds like he's making his own movies now, so starring Whatever. himself. Maybe I don't know. Could be. I don't look into things that I say. Um, but I would certainly I'd recommend it for an October watch. Apart from the art critique stuff, but some of it's really funny. There's mm-hmm. someone trying to kill them all to give them a grant. So, oh, actually, that's one thing that the real miss is. So. There's a guy who pretends to give all these people a grant, always saying, I'm going to give you a grant if you do something amazing. So they decide to kill this guy. Um, the grant's obviously not there, and he's sort of, he's, he wants to kill every, he wants to kill all these artists because he's got license to their artwork. And he's like, oh, because when an artist dies, their art is worth so much more. You know, it's yeah. like, how many times do we have to fucking hear that? <laughs> we, not enough, I guess. Yeah. But, um, so, so after someone finds that out, you sort of say, I'm going to kill you all and take your art and sell it. She, um, her immediate reaction is, oh, so you like our art? Mm. <laughs> they, that art word is pretty zany. And you, yeah. you can imagine what happens as well. They sort of go into an art party. There are some dead bodies everywhere. What do you assume the random bystanders do when they see a whole bunch of dead bodies? Yeah. It's a masterpiece. Oh, yeah. wow. That's so brave. So, so the only uh, like like horror art film you really need to watch is uh, Bucket of Blood by Roger Corman. That that film nailed it in like 1959. So I'm sure it's yeah, it's got all the same shit as all those other ones. I think probably. Mm-hmm. But as far as I take the piss, I would definitely recommend it. But it's it's good fun October watching for sure. Okay, we'll we'll both check it out eventually. I'm 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 pretty sure. Moving on to another horror, Suspiria. <gasps> remake oh. i think i think frank mentioned it he so i don't want to go, don't wanna yeah. go too, too far in it uh director of bigger a bigger splash which i enjoyed and then your name which i know you guys hated but i never i've never I, i've never seen it actually jared hasn't seen it he's just heard me bring it up almost every podcast every week yeah it seems yeah yeah, yeah I, that movie stings i haven't seen it so i can't i can't say anything but basically i was always put off this film because they push chloe grace mortez is that mm-hmm. uh, as an actress in it? And mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know if it's ever been brought up. If you guys ever get asked who's the worst, <laughs> she is the freaking worst, man. Chloe Grace uh, Moritz. Moritz. Yeah, yeah. The, the girl from Kick-Ass, right? Yeah, awesome and Kick-Ass, and then everything after that has just been so terrible from her. She yeah. can't act, simply. It's believable. I haven't seen the Carrie remake. Um, you probably don't need to. <laughs> I, w- I would just guess. Yeah. So with Suspiria, I think the main problem with this movie is it's called Suspiria. Uh, okay. I think uh-huh. I think he should have done something inspired by Suspiria or something like that. The main plot beats are there. It's a dance studio um, run by witches. But that that's kind of where it ends. Yeah. And so I think once you compare it to the original Suspiria, you know, you're obviously going to... I don't know. I just wish it. I just wish it was. Yeah, it didn't go for the the remake. It didn't need to because it tried to do its own things. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Tom York did the soundtrack and yeah. similar to his bandmate. Uh, oh, Greenwood. Johnny Greenwood is incredible. 
And you think, oh, Tom York, he can do it. The first song, I shit you not, Tom York sings in it. And and you just kind of know of... Yeah, like I knew he did the soundtrack, but I didn't know it's, he's literally going to be singing through the movie as well. Oh. And the main climax, he also sings through as well. So it's like a Radiohead music video. Right. You, I would, I would just prefer a Radiohead musical, to be honest, like uh, or a music video, because I think Radiohead has awesome music videos. Mm. So I'm a big fan. Just um, they could just take the Hail to the Thief album and make like an hour long music video, and I would be okay with that. Uh, I haven't seen this movie that you're talking about. And it's I another Frank... one you guys you guys should watch. I think. It, it's, it's coming we to will Amazon eventually. Prime Friday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're it's like we've mentioned before. Canadian Amazon Prime is way weird, where <laughs> they they had Suspiria and Dragged Across Concrete like a month ago, but we're getting both of those in the next like two weeks. Still, we haven't got them yet, but we're gonna watch them both. Mm. And I know. Uh, Frank was a big fan, but uh, I I don't know. I, I I'm think... still I'm going in with the the low 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 bar. Honestly, like I found it really hard to follow, yeah. um, and but I I feel like this might be I I, I was really lukewarm on it, mm-hmm. but I feel like this might be one horror that stands the test of time. Like I I felt there's something there. Hmm. In 10 years' time, maybe people are going to be, still be talking about it. Well, we'll see. Yeah, everything I see is, like, actually, yours is kind of the most, like, middle-of-the-road, mm. like, response. Like, most people are just, like, extremes. Like, they really love it or they mm-hmm. fucking hate it beyond belief. Yeah. So, but, yeah. But those kind of movies are usually the ones that, that last, you know, those divisive movies at the start. One thing... Yeah, definitely. It was interesting. I, the only thing I could remember was when I was watching the, the movie... Tilda Swinton's in it, and then you mentioned, I think, on the podcast once that she plays the guy character. Yeah, yeah, she plays the old man in the movie too. I think. Yeah, I don't know what the point in that was. Maybe because <laughs> I, I was trying to think. I think she, he was mm-hmm. the only guy character in the movie. Right. So I think if she played him, technically, like, no men were seen on screen. Maybe. Okay. It, it seems like I don't. I don't want to out myself as <laughs> as having a. I'm looking at this is definitely a feminist movie for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and as I've always said, my my character for this podcast is different from my opinion in real life. Mm. But it seems like a gimmick that I feel like I don't there know was, if, is is was, that the right way to do, do things? You, you never want to say that say forced. You yeah. know, it's the same. But there w- seem to be no reason why. It's, it made yeah, the character like, look why? a bit strange. You're like that guy kind of looks a bit funny. But it wasn't until yeah. my wife didn't realize until I mentioned, you know, right at the end of the movie. I think that was Tilda Swinton. And yeah, she had no idea. So there was hmm. seemingly no real explanation. And it's like, uh, why, why would you know that either? You know, like going into it because you wouldn't expect that. It's like, oh, yeah, a bunch of the female or one of the female characters plays the male character. It'd be like if if I didn't know what movie they were talking about, I'd be like, why? Hmm. And then the one others- thing I really. Oh, I was just going to say real quick, too, because I think there was, like, some work being put into, like, uh, creating the actor, like, come from whole cloth. Like, just being like, oh, let's make an IMDb entry for this actor and to really conceal this uh, fact. Yeah, that sort of thing. But I think I think you guys mentioned pretty soon it was found out pretty quickly yeah. that, that it was her. It was announced, like, flopping, the day the movie came out. Yeah, flopping her pr- prosthesis penis around the set or something like that. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I can't remember what that news article was, but she yeah she was whipping it around or something, and it's like why even bother with that for authenticity? Like who who would be able to tell? That's a real uh, Jared yeah. Leto move. That there was a dick in there, yeah. There was obviously some funny publicity with it, like Chloe Grace Moritz. She's only in the movie for about two minutes, <laughs> and so I don't know if Chloe Grace Moritz and Tilda Swinton plays a man, which I think she's done before. Yes. Or am I getting mixed up with the am I the Bob Dylan movie or is that something? I'm not oh, that, there. That, that was Clay Blanchett, Blanchett and Glenn Oh, yeah, sorry. Right? Yeah. But Tilda like, Swinton's done some like man every other week. Yeah, she's been involved in some like gender bending sort of stuff before. I want to say like either like like androgyny in place like, yeah. like oh she's... god um oh god damn literary character uh it shows out. up in uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen characters uh oh begins with an O that's like immortal and like changes genders oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. There, there's that the oh, oh yeah, god I, now you're gonna you're gonna have us thinking about it the whole time um well, us too <laughs> yeah i don't know what you, you, you look it up about. i'll, I'll keep talking but she's i mean she's incredible as an actress for sure mm-hmm. and one thing that i found really interesting is maybe she's the head of the dance studio and she's not a bitch Okay. Which I thought was, you know, you, you, you when you think head of a dance charge. studio, you think that, that this woman's going to be some crazy strict bitch, basically. Yeah. I don't like that word. But um, she's super nice, which I thought was, I don't know, interesting. <laughs> to change your pace. <laughs> well, you know, could, you, you could assume, you know, sort of, I think the, the movie's in West Germany or East Germany. I get them confused. It's next I to the wall, so it reminded East, me quite a lot of... I'm pretty sure it's East... I want to say East Germany, even though I haven't seen it. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I get them mixed up. But it's like that uh, movie with New Zealand's number one son, Lava Horror. <laughs> oh, uh, Possession, yes. Yeah, yeah, so it certainly reminded me of that. But you, you could assume, sort of, if we're going to go with East, I'm sure someone will correct us. You know, yeah. an East German dance instructor just being a chronic... Uh, bitch, basically, but yeah. she's not. So that, that was that was definitely a change of pace. Playing against type Orlando, Orlando. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's another series I brought. Uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I brought them all, including the Nemo series. Read it. It was horrendous. It was terrible. <laughs> I think it's okay. <laughs> uh, do you have any other movies? Yeah, uh, Conversation by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, yeah, Coppola. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, I wrote down shit. starring Gene Wilder and then crossed that out and wrote Hackman. Uh, I might have got mixed up because I watched uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as well this week. You're probably confused because he was in that hit movie Welcome to Moose Point, uh, Moose Port, which has no W's in it. Oh, Welcome has a W, right, Jared? <laughs> Jared's checked out. Tell us about yeah, yeah. The, the conversation. Gene Hackman is an actor that I know of. And I've seen a lot of his movies, but I, I don't know who the hell he is to be honest. I, I know he's huge, In what but he's sense? not someone I'm personally familiar. You know, I've watched uh, French Connection and, and other movies he's been in. Yeah, basically about paranoia. A guy's recording someone's conversation, starring a young um, Han Solo. Mm-hmm. I love the uh, physical equipment. That's all I wrote down. The analog equipment. Oh, yes. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. pressing the buttons and stuff. Uh, my dad's quite into that. So I sort of got into that, all the switches and the certain tapes and stuff like that. I wasn't blown away by the movie. I know it's supposed to be uh, his masterpiece. Yeah, I, I remember liking it quite a bit. But uh, I think even though I really liked it, I think I had a similar opinion as you where it's kind of just like, yeah, I don't. Everyone says this is like 
the best movie ever. And I was like, I don't know about that. Yeah, I it, liked it a lot, but so I, one thing I found interesting, it's called the conversation. And guess what? It starts with a long shot of a mime. <laughs> mm, whoa. That's some pretty, that's what some is that? Solaris level, uh, yeah. Allegory right there. Exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, I just didn't buy it. You know, he sort of goes up for the movie and then one guy puts a pin mic on him and that sort of blows his mind. Mm-hmm. he's been in this game for so long he's supposed to be the head of this game but one bad turn can make him sort of question everything you know he gets the mail sent and someone reads his mail and then someone says we're watching you and then he searches his whole apartment for a microphone this big breakdown i just didn't buy it yeah well i don't know i i do that pretty frequently people are always <laughs> like we're on to you and i'm like which part so you gotta go and you gotta bury all the bodies and then I don't know. It's a whole thing. I get it. Mm. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what the body's reference was to. Oh, I I kill people? Oh, right. Yeah, uh, but I don't tell it. Jared will edit that out. He, uh, he, he, he'll have to. <laughs> or else. Unless he wants a visit. I know where he lives. I've been in his house. All right, then. Want to hear about some documentaries, boys? Mm-hmm. <laughs> about, about the digital sure. age? <laughs> That's what you know, I, I don't want to. Are you still to, going but, on with that? Oh, man. I know you're going to do going, it anyways. Yeah, I've been doing it. That's what I, I don't know. I find them easy to uh, listen to and watch while I'm doing other things. Uh, mm. But yeah, where do we begin? So I watched this one called Hacker Wars. Um, this that sounds like This follows the adventures of hackers, uh, contemporary hackers, not the classic mode of guys who are like a Steve Wozniak who are like hacking into computers to figure out how they work and how you can make them better. These are the guys who have, they're up to no good. Uh, one of these guys, he's talking a lot and I'm realizing at some point, I'm like, this guy sounds like a 4chan troll. And uh, he he starts talking about trolling and how trolling reveals the real hypocrites because I should be able to talk about things, dropping N-bombs and talking about Jews and the Holocaust. What kind of bombs? N-bombs, RJ. I'm Um, I'm not familiar with that. (laughs) Can you explain? You got got Google. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this guy named Weave, I'm kind of like, I feel like, at some point, maybe this guy is going to uh, turn into the alt-right types that uh, you hear all about these days. And mm-hmm. sure enough, I look him up, and he's got a Wikipedia page, and he's been declared a white supremacist living in Eastern Europe uh, who bombards oh, uh, unprotected printers with white supremacist uh, leaflets. Because that's, that's trolling. <laughs> Man, that that's a really shitty thing to do, though. You know how expensive fucking ink and toner oh, is? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not getting any cheaper, that inkjet. God damn, that's some I real terrorist. Was he, was he hacking printers? Yeah, so he just like hacked these networks, and like once you realize that no one really puts uh, passwords on their printers, printers. it just it's, you take a couple of uh, protocols, and mm. soon enough you're just sending it out to millions of computers all around the world simultaneously, and they're just printing out things about how yeah. the Holocaust isn't real. Oh god! So so this guy's uh, at the time this when this documentary was made, he was a uh, kind of like a folk hero because he was going mm-hmm. to jail for freedom of information but then he went to jail and then he came out and uh he radicalized and started becoming uh, uh, a an, an opponent to uh how the rest of the world does things 
Uh, the other part is a journalist named Barrett Brown, who's a man who lounges around in a bathtub drinking some fine wine and smoking cigarettes, talking about the, uh, the evils of the world. Uh, and he also got involved with sharing a link to a particular website. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's some like large private firm in the States. Criterion that, Creeps. Yeah. Uh, this large <laughs> yeah. private information uh, conglomerate that does you know underhanded things they were hacked their uh their exposure was like beyond what they wanted to and uh like all things the government made him pay and he got sentenced to like 10 years for basically sharing a link just that sort of grim stuff that uh the world that we live in which makes me so happy that i got a amazon fire stick the other week Mm -hmm. with that alexa that's just sitting on my table just you know benignly listening to me even though you know i haven't hit that button to turn it on but you know it's kind of just it's there collecting all all my great conversations that i have with my cat so just embrace it yeah don't be weird um, about it type over your webcam i know rj does uh Uh, i actually i don't anymore i used to but it's so annoying to have to take the tape off every week, which sounds like it's like that's lazy. And it's like, well, yeah, but you take it off and then you try to put it back on, but it doesn't stick the same. So it's like, you know how wasteful it is to put up new tape every fucking week. So I used to, but now that I have to look at this guy every Wednesday, I don't do it anymore. Wow, you're a real uh, online warrior with that attitude, RJ. <laughs> I just don't do anything gross in front of my computer anymore. Anymore. So I got missed. Who went to prison for sharing the link? Uh, that the was main... uh, Barrett Brown uh, is the guy's uh. name. So he's still in jail. Um, this could also okay. cross over into another documentary I watched called Deep Web, which is about the guy who created the Silk Road. And uh, yeah. how... No one knows what you're talking about. Well, the people who follow the news might. Uh, yeah. so th- this this guy, he... he he really got the book thrown at him. He got sentenced to life in prison plus 40 years, and that's American life in prison, not Canadian nice. life in prison, which is like 25 years. Uh, yeah. So, it's, so, so the note, one of the noteworthy things, I guess, with Deep Web is it's uh, directed by Alex Winter of Bill and Ted. Um, oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. So, and again, these are all kind of like, there's a lot of crossovers about just how information's collected, how the FBI executed certain search warrants, probably uh, illegally themselves, hacking things uh, to mm-hmm. get their man. This documentary doesn't really put up a case that this guy wasn't guilty of anything, but at the same time, you're just like, yeah, this is what happens with uh, cybercrime when the... When you mess with things with the government and how they want things to operate, they go after you worse than anything else. It's just the same story kind of told over and over again Mm. watching this stuff. Um, I also watched a documentary on – it's called Google and the World Brain. Uh, It's from a Mm – I guess a BBC presenter named Ben Lewis whose stuff I actually watched like years ago. He did this uh, series on uh, contemporary art called Art Safari. And uh, mm-hmm. he's kind of moved on from there. And this one, Google and the World Brain, it's in reference to H.G. Uh, Wells's talk about the World Brain kind of being this like accumulation of all human knowledge in the form of like a library, and kind of just talking about the kind of issues around Google uh, Books and how they kind mm-hmm. of just are like haphazardly collecting information about uh, just books. And you find find out about how like France has its own library and how mm-hmm. it, it takes umbrage with like how. Google's collecting this stuff because in their world only English exists 
Uh, and it wasn't until this was pointed out that you're like, well, you're translating French books only in English. And uh, now you have, uh, you only have English copies of it. That sounds um, extremely, extremely boring. It's but yeah, uh, <laughs> I saw the I saw the internet themed movies were popping up in your letterbox. I was like, oh my god, we're not gonna have another episode of this. Here we are. I just got yeah. a classic RJ intro interruption. <laughs> my cat. So yeah. usually my cats are wreaking havoc in here. That's a nice kitty. I I have to say, I think this is a really appropriate gotta... time to just stop and say that's a good kitty. Yeah, I've got to get rid of this one. You keep talking. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I, did, I thought it was a good cat. I don't know about you, Jared. Uh, <laughs> a, f- a fine cat. A fine cat indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, Jared, that um, everyone is pretty upset that you're continuing the way you are. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. So we were we were just mentioning uh, Oliver that uh, number one, it was a fine cat. Two, Red I'd doll. like to I'd like to know more about this cat. And then three, uh, nobody likes Jarrett or the things that he watches. So, I mean, that might come off harsh, but he's a bad guy. And I can't stress this enough. Uh, send your hate mail to jarrettduncan at gmail.com. Or, um, I mean, if you reach out to me, I'll give you his personal address. And you can tell him in all the ways that he's let you down. So, that's, but yeah, it was a good cat. Um, thank you. It's a, yeah, it's a red doll, very... Cute, but we've recently had a baby, and so the cat has just gone, just lost the plot, to be honest. Yeah. It's not the baby anymore, you know? It's a, it's a weird time in a cat's life. <laughs> <laughs> we knew that, I knew that was going to happen. I think um, my wife did mention, it's like, you know the cat's going to get in somehow. I yeah. think she can open door handles. Have you seen that before? Just like raptors. They can jump up yep. and sort of grab onto them. Yep. Those, those docos are very relevant uh, to the New Zealand climate right now because... After the Christchurch attacks, there are a lot of people sharing videos of, or the live stream of that video. Yeah. Um, and I think before that video, the video now has been, uh, it's considered objectional material, something like that, so they can put more laws on it. But before that was the case, people sharing it have been charged for certain you know, crimes and stuff, but locked up. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When it's will we- they charge you for your crimes, Jared? Uh, well, I don't know. It, it makes you wonder about putting anything out into the world and being yeah. online and having a, a, any sort of presence. Um, I, I, I had this idea way back when from like the, uh, when I was on the Warren Ellis forum, how like, uh, one of the rules was that you used your real name and I always kind of put a value mm-hmm. on that because it kept people like saying what they meant and if they, they had to say it, it like their name had to be associated with it. So you didn't have that anonymity. Uh, but mm. now, um, that maybe is like not a great thing. Cause, uh, I don't know. It, it works both ways, I guess. Cause some people just like, it doesn't matter. They'll just like have a name that sounds real and then they just go and post whatever the hell they want without any repercussions until there is. Mm-hmm. Cause there's always, uh, IP addresses and, uh, ways for people. If they really want you, they'll track you down. But I don't allegedly. know. Allegedly, no. They that seems to be the case, and it's getting easier and easier because they just keep passing laws to make it that way. Because they'll use something to uh, make it so it's that's the law, and everyone signs off on it. <sighs> yeah. Well, it's uh, depressing that you've uh, watched oh. all these movies. Well, the worst the worst one though uh, is this one called the Creepy Line. <laughs> it this is <laughs> this this is on this is on no, it's not even like as good as that sounds. I uh, think you should do something like that for this podcast. You know, the creepy called line. the creepy line. creepy line. I know other podcasts you can leave voicemails. 
Oh no, I thought about oh. it. I, I'd have to actually set yeah. that up though, uh, and then we then we yeah. could just end the email bullshit and just have the creepy line, sweet Creep, yeah. uh, dulcet tones. Uh, so, I like it. So, so the creepy line is uh, in reference to this, like one of the guys at Google talking about, like, well, you know, we're kind of like maybe bumping up against a creepy line in how we collect information, but you know, as long as we don't go over that line, we're okay. The the problem with this documentary though, and I, I started figuring out real fast during the uh, opening credits where it has like a it's starring because it's a documentary starring people. One of the people of stars is uh, good old Doctor Jordan B. Peterson, and I was oh, just good. like, oh, oh he's, he's is, big news over here as well. Yeah, he's he's mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, so I was like, okay, and then uh, the guy who's who this is based on his book or something like that. He's a conservative pundit. Who wrote a book, or he wrote a uh, documentary called Clinton for Cash. And I kind of was like, I think I know where this is all going. And sure enough, yeah, I was just talking about how uh, there's like some employee at Facebook said that conservative voices are being censored on Facebook. And uh, and it just kind of goes down that route. And you're like, yeah, like there's actually an interesting documentary to be made about how Google and Facebook are using information. But this is going Mm -hmm. down this very partisan route by just showing footage of uh, how great – Senators such as Orrin Hatch and Ted Cruz are, and uh, mm-hmm. just showing uh, how Rachel Maddow and uh, uh, Anderson Cooper are like part of the the machine uh, that are trying to like tell Americans how to think and act is just horrible, horrible stuff. Well, that's the creepy line, Jarrett. What did you expect? Uh, mm. I don't know, not that, but I watched the whole thing uh, against my best judgment. Uh, and mm. one one last thing. This is about video games, so uh, both of you can talk to this. And I think uh, Oliver has seen this. What uh, are you assuming? Atari Game Over. <laughs> you just yeah, what are, what are big you video? Just because I've been to comics doesn't mean video games. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, I, do I assume okay. correctly, though? Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so Atari Game Over, the only thing I can say about this um, is there's this scene where uh, Ernest Klein uh, shows up, uh. author of Ready Player One. And he's very excited about the digging up, unearthing of uh, the ET cartridges from the Atari that sure, were dumped does. in the middle of the desert. So he had mm-hmm. to fly over to like Santa Fe, Mexico, where there's like a Back to the Future convention, apparently, where uh, a DeLorean is that he bought. It's his DeLorean, and uh, he's picking it up. He's picking it up from George R. R. Martin, who's also at this convention, and and he arrives yeah. with a life-sized ET doll, and then he's like. All the footage is set to some uh, Huey Lewis in the News sound alike, and there's also a little bit of uh, Game of Thrones uh, opening credit music in there. And I just I wanted to die. I just uh, <laughs> this, this this is like everything I hate about nerd culture and uh, the internet. And uh, so when are you? Says the guy that works there? at a comic store. Yeah, I know. Oh, He's such man. a and did it. And I, I don't want to be the RJ, but also did a doco about superheroes. Yeah, exactly. What's look that? At, look at him. Did a documentary about superheroes. Gamers are the most oppressed people on the planet. Yeah, don't you know about Gamergate, Jarrett? Oh, my God. (laughs) I liked that movie, but I think maybe it was because I watched it when I also liked Game of Thrones. I don't watch it anymore. Mm. Um, And so I was like, oh, George R.R. Martin? Yeah. DeLorean? Whoa. (laughs) How, How much more can we pile onto this? That's the the Ready Player One philosophy. And I was always, I was always into that that whole thing about them burying E.T. in the desert. You know, I used to like um, angry video game nerd, you know, his reviews and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at the time, I think it hit me right. (laughs) 
when I, I think the it. Atari story is super cool. Like this stuff with ET, I actually like that a lot. But uh, this thing with Ernest Klein sounds fucking horrible. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, the, guy, the guy who directed this, uh, Zach's, Zach Penn, he also did that incident at Loch Ness uh, mockumentary mm-hmm. with Werner Herzog, and he's just like his sensibilities and sense of humor are just like not great. And this this documentary does not do a very good job of telling the story. I don't think of it, the Atari as well as it could have been because it seems like it's like cutting half, spending a lot of half of its time out in the desert with, with all mm-hmm. this like false sense of drama about, oh, is the dig going to happen? Is the city council going to pass it? Are they actually going to do it? Oh, they're digging huh. around. Oh, the wind's coming up. And it's just so padded out. And it's like only yeah. like an hour and six minutes, but it's just like, come on. Like, uh, yeah, not a... It was also yeah. because... They were sort of like, are the cartridges there? But we all knew, yeah. Yeah. There, there wasn't some um, urban legend. We all knew they were there. Yeah. And then, yeah, it, it, like it happened. Yeah. Was that also the one where they sort of talk about Atari? Like, we were so crazy back then. Yes. The guy wore no shoes. Yeah. Took a pee in the urinal. <laughs> yep. <Ugh>. Very <laughs> yeah, big, big things. I don't know like, why I remember that. Oh, yeah. That that does happen. Barefoot in, a, in the urinal, RJ. That's yeah, that kind of stuff really sticks Horrible. out to me. Horrible. Uh, anyways, we've been talking a long time. We have a movie to review. Oh, we do? Yeah. Oh. After the break. We put on our mesh tops. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and our leather jacket. Uh, <laughs> nice. The real the original crotch the, harnesses yeah, as well. The original Silver Fox. <laughs> Ooh. After the break, uh, we're gonna try killing ourselves, but we're not really alive, and this is the game that we play coming back over and over and over again. Are you talking about the movie or the podcast? You decide. Yeah.
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Solaris from 1972, directed by Andre Tarkovsky, and we're joined by Patreon guest host Oliver Granger. Hi, Oliver. As long as you don't mention that I spent $50 to get here again, I told everyone who's going to listen that it was just my love of film that got me here. There you go. Oh, yeah, you can tell your fans that, and then we'll tell other people too. It's like, oh, you want to be a guest? That fifty dollars—that yeah. was the first for the first couple. It is now five thousand. Yeah, I told everyone I'm on a podcast. Like, oh wow, how'd you get on? I was like, oh, you just donate a little bit of money, and <laughs> you, you just you, you you just you gotta know your stuff, you know. We're we're looking yeah. for the best of the best. Well, just well, tell them that we're, we're just calling in the big guns. Yeah, the big dogs. Yeah, yeah. So Solaris, a synopsis <laughs> here from the Letterboxed. Oh man, no tagline, sadly. Uh, a psychologist is sent to a space station orbiting a planet called Solaris to investigate the death of a doctor and the mental problems of cosmonauts on the station. He soon discovers that the water on the planet is a type of brain which brings out repressed memories and obsessions. So this Solaris is not to be confused with the prog rock band from Hungary, neither opera by Dai Fujikara or uh, Detlev Galatinert, the Atari 2600 video game, the Sun mm-hmm. Death Tyrant from Grant Morrison's DC One Million comic. Uh, mm-hmm. This is Tarkovsky Solaris. Is that better? Well, good question. We're, we're going to find out. So this is uh-huh. my this is my second time watching uh, Solaris. Maybe third, mm-hmm. depending on whether the first attempt counts. Many years ago, uh, probably mm-hmm. like a year after high school, maybe, uh, my friend Corey had bought this on DVD, and it was like a Saturday night with a bunch of 19, 20-year-old men looking to watch some movies, have some good times, and someone's like, hey, let's watch <laughs> Solaris. And within about 10 minutes, it was turning into long silences and people going, <laughs> and it's like, yep, uh, that's not going to work tonight. That This is not mm-hmm. the movie for uh, this audience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, fun. Hey, so RJ, when what? did when did you first realize this movie did not star Oliver Reed? Um, I find that I feel like you're trying to trick me, <laughs> uh, because is this like what was that movie that I didn't the two realize? Actresses? Yeah, that the uh, uh, the episode will show. I also was fooled. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like you're trying to trick me. So my answer is going to be no. It always starred Oliver Reed. I don't know what you're talking about. So is that the answer? <laughs> no. Um, this movie does not star Oliver Reed, but man, I, that, I, it was on my mind an awful lot. Yeah. I, just want, I just wanted to get out, that out there. I don't know, uh, Oliver, if you're much of a Oliver Reed fan uh, sharing the same name, but um, mm. I, I just like looked at this guy. like It's like, oh, it's like The Brood. It's, I don't know. He's not as heavy set, I guess, uh, this this man, this Russian man. Anywho. I didn't uh, see the Oliver Reeve uh, connection, to be honest, but okay. huge, huge, huge fan. Yes. He's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a beast. Have man. you ever looked up um, his interviews on YouTube? Like when he's like loaded? Or... Yeah, and he's sort of, when people ask him about feminism or something like that, it's uh, good watching. Okay. Sounds like Orson Welles style. <laughs> yeah, it, it's exactly. He's like nice. Orson Welles and, and uh, Marlon Brando. They all ended up. Well, they're they're, 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 they're uh, Hellraisers. There's like a, actually a book mm. on, on it. Uh, yeah. But and, they're more rascals, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Lovable RJ, I got another question uh, for you. What now? Did you recall that Solaris was discussed at the end of your favorite film, Funny Games? 
No, I, I didn't because that's the worst fucking movie I've ever seen. And yeah, I'll say it. That movie sucks. And in 12 years, when I'm long dead and have been replaced by two other co-hosts, I hope that one Frank of them. Oliver. Yeah, mm-hmm. Frank and Oliver. I hope that one of them echoes my sentiments and just says, tells it like it is and tells the entire world that they're wrong about funny games. Okay, so, Coming to the Criterion Collection near you. No. I just, it's, it sucks. <laughs> so no, I don't remember that they were talking about Solaris in that movie. And Me frankly, either. I don't care. So all those things aside, this is based mm-hmm. on the novel by Stanislaw Lem, which I believe uh-huh. RJ, you just finished audiobooking. I did. Yeah. I just finished uh, a week ago. So uh, when I get to my segment, I can talk about that if you want, or I can talk about it now, whatever you feel. We'll, we'll, we'll hand it off to you and you can talk about it at that point. So, uh, sure. my Solaris thoughts. So, this is a movie that is not for everyone. Um, I think it's a fair thing to say. Um, the first hour of this movie are it's quite a chore, I think. It starts off with our boy, uh, Mr. Psychologist Chris. He is mm-hmm. walking around, uh, I guess, like a country estate of a friend, looking at things. Uh, we get these like really kind of nice shots. This movie has many, many nice shots. Uh, Tarkovsky uh, did not uh, slump around in the cinematography area. One way to put uh, it. Of um, like prongs, like seaweed things, mm-hmm. just like under the water. Those things kind of spooky. Other, they, they don't feel earthly, but here we are on Earth shooting this stuff. Um, and then he's like hanging out with a former cosmonaut, I guess, uh, talking about his experiences. Um mm-hmm. And then there's Burton, a guy who's got given Tim a Tim Burton, t- Tim Burton himself, uh, giving a report on uh, on on his experience uh, going to this water body, this mass called Solaris, this faraway planet somewhere doesn't actually exist. What? Actually, I think Oliver is going to interrupt. Isn't Burton the name of the scientist in the American remake, but not in this one? Because in the original, it is um, Jab- Jabrano. And uh, Snout, and then Sartorius, no. not Burton. Burton's right? the uh, no. Burton's the guy. Oh, he's the pilot. Who was, who, who he's the pilot. Seen it ages. I was just gonna say, fantastic yeah. makeup on him. I I couldn't tell if they aged him or de-aged him, and you know there was. I didn't realize till afterwards. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm the guy in the video. I was like, wait. <laughs> do they put aging makeup or de-aging makeup? It's a good question, Jared. What is the answer? Uh, what what year was he born? Is the, I'll, is I'll the solution? It. So yeah, no, like that was like kind of a weird thing. So you're watching it, and you're watching people watching TV, but it's shot in the most mm-hmm. like uh, that breaking that 180 rule where like you're just filming the, these people watching TV straight on, and then it cuts to the footage they're watching, but they never like have like the scene where they're actually watching it projected on a screen or anything like that. They could be like looking at anything. It's really a weird choice and. I don't know. It's amongst many little weird ticks with this movie on the whole. Talking about ticks, did you hear the beeping in that in that scene? Was there yes. a weird yeah. beeping for you and during I, that I, scene? I, yes, and I was wondering, um, like, is something happening in my house? Because <laughs> it, it doesn't sound like it's in the movie either. But yeah, because it's, it's, it's because I have an the, the beeping is in between the cuts of the camera cutting, and I guess it's like a stylization. But it's like, mm. like again for a film that is like all about like affectations and stylization, it's like oh, there's just another one. <laughs> hey Jared, I have an answer for you. Okay. Vladislav Dovzvetsky. 
yeah. uh, was 31 when he took on the role of Burton pilot. So they did age him. I think I feel like they aged and de-aged him then. Yeah. yeah. So they aged him and maybe de-aged him. Uh, more interesting, this dude died when he was 39. Hmm. In 1978. Why? I don't know. I haven't got that far. But, uh, yeah, he was a young man when he took on this role. Okay. Um, so we get this scene where you get this moment that I just find baffling where he's talking about, well, we got video footage of this experience I just talked about. And then they go mm-hmm. to play it, and you're like, this, so they never thought of looking at the footage before they actually screened it for uh, this, like, panel of people. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't understand. You're just like, well. This surprises me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, okay. The first hour of this film is a lot of setup. Um, it, when our uh, email in the preamble, we talked about uh, Justin Peterson mentioned that uh, this was Tarkovsky p- perhaps uh, trying to like turn off people and clear them out of the theater so they'd get to the real movie, which mm-hmm. is, I don't know. I don't know. If I don't any, believe. I don't I, believe I, either. I, I, I love that idea. Because yeah. <laughs> It turns everyone off. It turns every yeah. I don't think anyone's saying, "Oh, it's such a brilliant piece of filmmaking." That first hour, um, mm-hmm. so you, you get like I think the thing that drove me nuts the most uh, is the driving scene with Burton as he's driving around future I'm, Tokyo, right? I'm glad you mentioned it was Tokyo because I there was no indication of why no, apart from the I only, writing on the uh, the taxis, but also there's I'm pretty sure the steering wheel is on the wrong side. Because yeah. they he had a steering wheel on the left, and and New Zealand and Japan have a steering wheel on the right. So, okay, I have no idea. Yeah, I didn't really pick up on where they were from until I was reading, and I, I was like, "Sure, sounds good." But it's like supposed to be like futuristic Tokyo, but it's like 1972 Tokyo or whatever year they planned it in. Like, I, I personally, I love I love that scene, the driving. I just I, I think part of it was the. It, it brings us so much attention to itself and also the the color of this film stock thing that's like kind of like plagues this entire film that uh, is like completely due to I think money and not artistic mm-hmm, choice mm-hmm. like there's the scenes where it just changes and you're just like why did they change that and you're like oh yeah because they they had to because that's all they had available to them and you're I, like okay <laughs> I couldn't figure that out because I was like wait is, are they trying to symbolize it's nighttime or right, is it a flashback when they do this mm-hmm. or and then halfway through a flashback it was the more blue grade film and then yep. it went to traditional black and white and then it lost me i was like okay i have no idea why yeah, doing this. yeah yeah it's completely arbitrary uh and it's just like mm. it has no rhyme or reason so it, i don't know it's kind of a yeah it's distracting to say the least um so yeah reading so then they go to space he he's he's just boom he's in space did anyone timestamp that uh, How long it took them to get to space? space? It's like twenty minutes, isn't it? Uh, uh, I didn't. I didn't. I don't have a real timestamp. I'm yeah. just guessing. I, I feel like it's yeah. longer than twenty minutes. Is it? <laughs> yeah, maybe like twenty-five. <laughs> I think more than that. Uh, well, but the, you're but you're in space. Uh, I would say my my timestamp for uh, watching this though was about an hour and five minutes in. Oh, that was the same oh. point. I fell asleep in this film actually. Oh, nice. Oh, good. <laughs> good. My timestamp was 14 minutes when he's talking about slime. Uh, I thought it was really funny, and I was like, "What? What is this? What?" Because I wanted to get a screenshot. Which, by the way, I'm trying to screenshot these things for the Instagram account, which is just blowing up, by the way. And I was trying to get it on my computer, 
and it wasn't loading. It was just buffering. And I was like, oh, that's annoying. So I pulled it up on my phone and I was like, oh, I can just scroll to the time I want. Awesome. I went to 14 minutes and 30 seconds where they're talking about slime. Uh, screenshots are disabled on the phone app, <sighs> which is frustrating. So, but on the computer, I'm not even kidding. I was messaging Jared today. I tried for about 40 minutes uh, and it would not load. I had trouble I with Criterion Channel with this one. Yeah, like it, it plays from the start fine, but if you try to jump Step ahead, it, it 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 loads forever. Like I I left it on loading for twenty minutes and it never came. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's really shitty. I watched on um, Fire Stick and it played fine, but uh, if you try to skip ahead, uh, good fucking luck. Like you you're either all in or nothing. You can't yeah. just jump ahead. I think that's true with this movie though. If you're yeah. either all in or nothing. Yeah. Okay. You well, mentioned. No. A friend had a certain problem when trying to, because I casted this from desktop to the screen. Okay. And then every so often it's like, you can't cast on an external monitor or something like that. All these bizarre rules on the Criterion oh, channel. It, it's the DRM crap. I, I've heard yep. about some DRM stuff with that. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. A Maybe. lot of people are having that problem. Yep. So, uh, Tarkovsky, he's, he's got some, oh, yeah, right. he, yeah, he's got some hot takes, uh, before I continue on with the, mm. we're going through this, this plot, uh, so he, two thousand one, a space odyssey. He really is not a fan. He thinks it's bogus and just preposterous. Did he say that? Yeah, he says these did, things. Did he explain why, or is it just baseless claims? Like, nah, that movie sucks. Uh, I'm sure that it's like more explained in some of his writings. He he wrote a lot, mm-hmm. but so this was like in some ways an anti two thousand one, and maybe uh, that's there's some truth to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess like ultimately he viewed this film as a failure for what he was going for, uh, and he thinks that he achieved what he was going for more with Stalker, for whatever that's worth. Agreed. Yeah. What was uh, he going for? I don't like a, a, Ex- more, a spiritual Russian existentialism. Yeah, spiritual experience. Uh, so, yeah, so we get to space. Uh, he finds dead astronauts, one of uh, my favorite uh, visual tropes, I guess, in sci-fi. Because mm. film like could be like a space horror, like an alien, an event horizon. You have Solaris in there, too. Mm-hmm. Got, yeah, and it's like there's a mystery of what's going on. But the two people who are left, they seem to be pretty uh, non-pluched about this whole thing. They're kind of like, ah, you'll you'll figure it out right away, dude. And so there's like kind of like ghosts, ghostly people, but they're actually not ghosts at all. They are manifestations uh, from mm-hmm. the planet, this Solaris planet that is just a giant body of water that is just, mm-hmm. it's a super brain. Sure. Absolutely. Um, sure. There's nothing objectionable about this, but uh, they've sent some radio waves down there and the uh, planet has responded in kind by scanning them back the way that it would. And uh, it's created these proxies using their own memories of forms, uh, idea forms or something like that, uh, as a means to communicate, I guess. And you, each person responds differently depending on what their memory is to it. Uh, there's no really getting rid of these things. Uh, these guests, they just kind of are there. And even if they try to kill themselves, they come back cause, cause they're kind mm-hmm. of like, they're a mishmash of this like alien intelligence with sort of this like, uh, problem of human memory in regards to this like non-technology experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you just kind of follow this Chris guy dealing with uh, the visage of his like dead lover who uh, killed herself after uh, their marriage relationship fell apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just kind of working through that initial stage. Um, I, I found that getting to what my thought about this movie 
as the movie got on and went going, the deeper you went into it, the more I liked it. I think um, I thought I was more involved with it as it went on. Like that first hour, like I was kind of like, oh, Solaris, mm-hmm. huh? And then kind of by the end, it's like each kind of situation kind of built up. Like there was sort of like a a pull toward it, toward that mm-hmm. conclusion, which is like a nice thing because sometimes movies start off strong and then they finish limply. This I felt mm-hmm. like kind of ramps up and gets better as it goes. So I mean, like you're okay. basically you're, you're along with the ride. You're watching. Um, Chris kind of just dealing with the other members of the the crew that are still around. Uh, they're this spaceship is probably it's an interesting design. It's not it doesn't feel particularly sci-fi ish or even like remotely accurate to how a ship would look at all. Um, mm-hmm. It's very much its own thing. Like particularly uh, when we talk about uh, the Soderberg solaris ship which i think mm. is just like completely bland and generic in like yeah. unnoteworthy mm-hmm. this actually really has a character to it it's because it's not quite like star trek in like sort of this like blank kind of cheesy sort of way it's got these like op- mm. opulent rooms like, like almost like you're on top of like this like like a mansion um and, like, what I, what's that all what about? i read that as is with um it had a juxtaposition of their old personal belongings and the spaceship as well so you mm. saw the modern spaceship in the background but then it looked like someone's personal library was set up, you know, antiques, books, leather chairs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the books is... It felt lived, it felt lived in, especially compared to, yeah. like you said, the soda bit. Well, yeah. well, yeah, like that mm-hmm. main corridor, like the circular corridor, like the state, like how it's in complete ruin and just, just disrupted. Like I was like, felt like I was like watching, um, like I was reading like a manga or anime, like just like there's like so many elements there that I think have influenced those illustrators watching it. Like this is their kind of frame of reference. I think sometimes when they're like wanting to design things, you know, like you want to like draw things in sort of like this, like not realistic way, but kind of um, style stylish sort of way. Cause you want to mm-hmm. have people, you want people to actually interact with it. You don't want it to be super technical, like a 2001 space odyssey uh, living space, which is again, like it, it's like in that particular film, it looks amazing, but like, from a practical standpoint, like if you just want to have characters be able to walk around and do things instead of being hung up on like, how would they really interact with space? Mm-hmm. It gets, it, it just bogs down. I think, uh, the drama, I guess, if you want to cut that part out. So I don't know if that's something that like maybe Tarkovsky was like kind of having a, a, uh, a stab at with, he's like, well, I don't really understand why you'd even bother doing that with 2001. It just seems like a, te- a technical thing. <laughs> like I just, I'm just <laughs> thinking to, um, Kubrick's, the toilet in 2001 where yeah. if you read the instructions on the side yeah. there's you know a whole page and they all make sense yeah compared mm-hmm. to oh give it here's a toilet you just shit in it yeah it's just like yeah just like you would you, you have a closet you go and lay, you, yep. you go and lay in bed and you talk for a really long time that's what you do <laughs> um, what beds that what beds look more uncomfortable this or the remake oh <laughs> i gotta mention plastic bed sheets in who's who who was the person in like earlier 1900s, whenever this thing started, like 60s, 70s, I don't know, that's not earlier, but like 50 years ago in sci-fi, when someone was like, you know what the bed sheets of the future are going to look like? They're going to be plastic because plastic is the future, man. Like, I don't know. Like In this one, it is a, sho- a plastic shower curtain, and it's like, that looks uncomfortable. And in the remake, it's one of those like poofy goose down coats. <laughs> It looks so thin in the remake, though. You're like that. You can't be warm under that. Yeah, it's like what? What? Like who? Whose idea was these? These plastic sheets for beds? Like why? And then George Clooney's sleeping on that thing that's like a massage pillow, and it's just (laughs) like rubber. The the rubber edges as well. 
Oh, it's so gross, Jarrett. Why would you? It's so gross. <laughs> these beds suck in both of these movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big time. It's the future, man. Yeah. 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 Talking um, about the future, every future movie must have a uh, video chat as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know it's, it's the future. And also, mm-hmm. I love it. It's like you, you're watching a TV channel. You can't accept, you know, you can't put the phone down or not. It's just, oh, by the way, mm-hmm. he's talking to me now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't that the worst? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're just it's doing just something. Like, it just cuts like, in. We're watching something. It's like, well, oh, shit, sorry. Yep. In the future, oh. we don't say yes yeah. or no. We just accept it. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Like, why? Why is this a thing? Like, it's become a staple. Just like plastic bedsheets. It's just a staple now. And it's like, why? <laughs> Who thought that was a good idea? I don't know. I so, don't know, Jared. Keep talking. So I don't know. Um, I'll Maybe I'll turn it over to you, too. I think I like this movie more than both of you. Um, with the caveat that, like, I completely understand why this movie is not for everybody. Because it is, uh, mm-hmm. Tarkovsky asks a lot for people. I think that the reputation of this film is greatly overstated. I, I don't, like, when you read, like, the, the, the accolades this gets, like, this is, like, the greatest accomplishment of science fiction in history. You're just like, no, it, it's, it's not, though. Um, again, this is, um, yeah. It asks a I, lot. And it, but anyway, um, who wants to go first? <laughs> I would love to. I've got a lot to say. I, I, no, think, really. I think Oliver should go for it. Uh, I, it is his right as a guest. Yeah, exactly. And I had to listen yeah. to all your bloody internet movies and screw it up on my try. So, yeah, no, I, I, I told you it would happen. I, I don't mean to. <laughs> I love Tarkovsky. So I want to get that at the bed. I'm not some big Tarkovsky hater. Mm-hmm. I've seen this movie before like you. This is my second time watching it. You could say third time because I did fall asleep in, in this movie. Mm. Um. Oh, is that some cat business going on? <laughs> I wish. Um, it's simply too slow, to be honest with you. Yeah, it is. That's that's a good point. It is a extremely slow-paced movie. Languished. Languid-paced. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. So I watched it. Yeah, so this is the second time I watched it. The first time I watched it, I think I mentioned when I talked to you guys before the show, that I was hoping I was going to like it more the second time. It was the first Tarkovsky mm-hmm. film I've seen. And I didn't fully appreciate it back then. And I thought after I watched them all, like a, a listener said, Mira is his favorite movie from him. I agree as mm-hmm. well. Um, you can see similar parallels in this movie with, I believe it's Mira with the, and one other, not nostalgia, but the other one with the uh, houses in the middle of the forest. He seems to be obsessed with no, not store or, or the mirror uh, nostalgia. Oh, What's the one where he burns the house at the end of it? That's Andre like, Rublev. No, the sacrifice. Oh, sacrifice. The sacrifice. Yeah. yeah, same thing. That he seems to be obsessed with houses in the middle of the forest. Right. Mm. And so, I hopefully after watching, I've seen all his films apart from the killer adaptations, whatever three uh, mm. piece Criterion movie we got later on. And I thought coming back into this, I'm going to appreciate it more. And I tried and tried to love it, but I just got pissed off. I just found people would say something. Maybe it's lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to make a note: the Russian language in the credits. I love the look of the Russian oh language. Oh my god, aren't they beautiful? Oh, yeah. it's, it's awesome. So, it's just yeah, it's just so. It's like you know English but upside down or the wrong way mm-hmm. round or X's and things like that. And then as it's spoken, yeah, I don't know. It, mm-hmm. it just looks cool. It, it does. It's the yeah. coolest looking language. 
but then, I, yeah, I got pissed off. And it may be lost in translation. Maybe I'm not understanding things a bit more. But I think people throw out these wild concepts. Like, what if life was this? And, you, and as an audience, you're expected <laughs> yeah. to be like, whoa, what, what if? Mm-hmm. Um, and it pissed me off, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty fair point. It's like... I don't know. We make fun of it all the time, but it's uh, it's that real. What if we're the real monsters type yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. what if this? And it's like, what if? Yeah, what but if this not. recreation of your wife is the real human and you're not a human? It's like, oh, I was waiting for the, in all the uh-huh. reviews for my mind blowing moment, and it did yeah. not come. Well, because at okay. that point, like, I think it's just like you're like, well, who cares? I don't know what Jared thinks. So, well, so Roger Ebert's got a response here. So he wrote, and this is from his uh, Great Movies review for Solaris, the films of Russian director Andrei Tarkovsky are more like environments than entertainments. It's often said they're too long, but that's missing the point. He uses length and depth to slow us down, to edge us out of the velocity of our lives, to enter a zone of reverie and meditation. When he allows Mm -hmm. the sequence to continue for what seems like an unreasonable length, we have a choice. We can be bored or we can use the interlude as an opportunity to consolidate what has gone before and process it in terms of our own reflections. Uh, He continued, he consciously embodied the idea of a great filmmaker, making works that were uncompromisingly serious and ambitious with no regard whatever for audience tastes or box office success. (laughs) Just like um, Jodorowsky. (laughs) I don't like when I, people say consolidate in the, in that certain sense. It seems weird. Anyway, just, talk about Jodorowska. No, I I disagree with that. We have a choice to be bored or not. I didn't. I mm-hmm. wanted not to be bored. I tried so hard. But like you said, even you, who Jarrett, who seemed to enjoy the movie, that first mm. forty minutes was just horrendous. Um, it's was, it's yeah, a challenge. Know. No, it's want, definitely a challenge. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, but sometimes challenges are more enjoyable than this. I don't know. <laughs> and other, his other movies, he, he like I think you mentioned that he achieved it more in Stalker. I love Stalker. And and I sort of got into that metaphysical existential conversation. With this one, I, I found a force. I didn't understand anything. I, and, mm-hmm. and it's one of those movies, you're left with more questions. They won't answer any questions. Well, Stalker is, and, like I think, a flat-out more beautiful-looking movie, though, too. And there's something about like the duration of those shots that like I think works in this like hypnotic way. Because that movie's like also, it's kind of boring. Um, but like it's working in this completely different way. And it doesn't have like really kind of like crappy optical effects like the, the actual oh, the, I was going to mention the, that the, the, the surface so you say they're crappy yeah I I, I, I I find that the optical look of the planet like never really wows me I, I, when I was watching it uh, I thought you meant more not the optical effects of the surface but there was some sort of thing he did I'm not so technical but it was out of focus or maybe had a curve on the lens but yeah. he was looking at something and then it would sort of open up and there'd be another character there I guess mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's sort of like in the actual. Yeah, I do. And the, and the space station when he was filming things, it felt like there was almost a curve on the lens. I don't know if that mm-hmm. was to get the feel of the space station. Sure. And he would sort of you're, you're looking at a character, and then the focus would change a little bit, and behind him would be some midget running out of the door, which was. Oh I, yeah, I was, I, I was, I was wondering if RJ got Jared. a laugh. I was wondering if RJ got a laugh out of that. <laughs> I was waiting for oh, someone oh. to bring it up, because yeah, it was like, I don't 
that was definitely it was a decision he made because <laughs> deliberate choice it was deliberate because like that is a common thing in it, it happened in the book it happens in the other interpretation or adaptation of this book that the per, like that uh burton or um whatever the weird russian name i said earlier uh satorius they have like a kid in there with them and then in, in the book it's like a kid that's in there with them but in this movie it is a it's like a midget a little person and it's such a deliberate thing it's like why would they choose to do that why would they change it from a kid to a midget little person was it because of filming things but like they had a kid in this movie at one point didn't they and the rate yeah the remake they did but uh, this one they did too, didn't they? At like one point where it's like... at the start yeah. of the movie where he saw a kid and he was four foot... Not four foot tall. Was it just like... Four meters think, tall. Do you think they weren't allowed to use a real kid and that's what they did? Or like... Soviet or Russia, was it just his choice? Yeah. Pretty quick, pretty easily. Pretty quickly? Yeah, you I, could in Russia. I, 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 I it was a big laugh. It was sort of like... It's, he's like, I won't let you come in. He's like, okay, I won't. And then he sort of this midget runs out. He just throws him, you know, back into the... <laughs> room. He's like, yeah. oh, by the way... Mm-hmm. Do you realize life is not life, but death? Oh, did you? That that blows your mind. Did you realize that people in midgets, midgets are people too? Yeah. I think that's what they're trying to say. Though, I don't know. It's it, it is it's 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 completely out of nowhere, and it's very bizarre because you're kind of like what? And especially for me now, because I was like, it's like so they did that on purpose, but why? What is he trying to say with that? What does no, that mean? All the, all the good reviews of this movie is the questions won't be answered, and and usually I love <laughs> usually I love that. Usually yeah. I really do love that. Okay. But it just pissed me off. One thing I was listening to they they made a point of kind of talking about like they they were really uh, harshing on this movie, uh, but like they're comparing how like this movie has all their characters talking out loud about the things that you should be thinking about rather than just making a movie about those things and like so it's like oh okay it's like these characters are having the philosophical conversation out loud and filming it rather than like hey let's take these ideas and make a movie about those things and there's like a the difference there of like you take a 2001 and you you make a movie that's like about these ideas but you don't have people saying isn't it crazy how we went from bones to like spaceships like no one said like yeah yeah there's like it's not like that literal but like i that, see what you mean but we visually see it and yeah but, but then you maybe don't even pick up on those relationships between things and juxtaposition until you've watched it a couple times but this movie everything's on the forefront it's all on the surface it's yeah. all very much like this is what the movie's about and like i think that is like completely tarkovsky's intent too like he is 100 mm -hmm. like he he is choosing to make a movie this way and he's like yeah it's gonna be boring but i think this is better filmmaking and yeah. like obviously i mean that's debatable <laughs> like but it's like again like is it well isn't it like yeah. what, but, but it's like well, what's the measurement right like what is the uh what is film like it's like it should be entertaining that's not necessarily yeah a not, good basis and like well we get to use box office as measures like well no we shouldn't be using that either so it's like again it's it's debatable but like i think we can all agree that's like eh, none of us really like watching movies like this for fun like life just you want to do watch something new or like different or like entertaining like that seems to be like a undercurrent i think with like watching a film like this it is so completely the antithesis of what we watch movies like this for mm -hmm. now like it's just like this movie does not fall into that and you have to be like really trying hard to like let this movie win you over um i think i'm 
picking up what you're laying down there, Jared. You're saying that <laughs> you should be challenged by the things that you watch as entertainment. Sometimes being challenged is okay. I think I, like, I get what you're saying. I like the idea, and I think you've explained why it pissed me off so much. Was because, like you said, I like the visual questions. Like I know it's unfair to keep comparing this to 2001. I'm glad he hates it, to be honest. Yeah. When anyone explained what movie are you doing in this podcast you paid $50 to go on, I just oh, say man. The Russian 2001. Yeah. So I'm glad he hates it because, I mean, it's impossible. It's only, what, two years later, two or three years later? Um, it was three, four. I think. Because I, I was 68. 68 was 2001. 71. Was the, so, yeah, between the so on- is 71. Yeah. Uh, but with 2001, all the questions like that's the space baby at the end, which, you know, I still don't particularly understand. Yep. It was a visual question. And like you say, in this movie, all the questions are questions spoken out loud. And maybe that's why it rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. I think that's pretty silly, though. I mean, the space baby makes entire in total sense. <laughs> maybe that's a Canadian thing. I don't know. It's it's very literal. A space god had space a baby. baby. Space baby. It's religious, Oliver. You wouldn't understand. It's uh, a Catholic thing. And a serious meaning I picked off of this film, and one that I usually, I think, once again, this is why the movie angered me because the themes uh, in other movies that I usually really love, okay. like memory, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the biggest idea I got of this movie was. Like what's real is is yourself or what you are perceiving me to be, and I would argue that it would be the perception of myself is more real than what I feel like I am. That's and that's what shit. I feel like. Well, that's what I feel like with with his ex wife. You know, his, uh, his ex wife, mm-hmm. because she unfairly is what he. She isn't herself. She existed as his memory, right. and maybe he remembered yeah, yeah. it wrong or remembered the defects yeah. and stuff like well, that. Well, it's one of those weird things where, like, Hari, like, she doesn't have a memory of how to open a door because he doesn't remember her opening uh, a door. Okay. Why would you? And then she has this like psychotic episode, mm-hmm. and it's like, what was that? And you get this kind of like janky uh, special effects uh, sequence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was. I was a little bit pissed off at that because I, I thought I finally got the movie. I was like, oh, she broke through the door and she's all cut up. That's probably how she died, you know, mm-hmm. in this freak accident. Oh, no, she killed herself. Oh, I read that scene wrong. She See, just I loves think, ripping yeah. open doors. I think that's one thing that uh, the book actually explains way, way better where I'll, I'll get to that when I start. But like a, a big part of the book is the emphasis on how these are like the the manifestations of their memories, but it's also based on all of their memory. So like one of the things he notices with the wife is she talks to him about people that he met after she died. So Mm. it's kind of like this, he knows that she's not real. He's like, well, how can he know like Chad? I met Chad after, or how could she know Chad? I met him after she died. And like their information and their entire being is based off of, the memory and all the thoughts that the person has, but then it's also limited to what they perceive of that person. So like, I mean, I I guess it's obvious because books kind of can get into those details a little bit more. Like there's more room to talk about that stuff and like elaborate on that instead of a three hour movie. But uh, I, I do think that was one thing the book did a little bit better where it kind of explains why certain things happen the way they do where in this i don't think it's like bad i think i think you can pick it out but uh i think it's not as 
not as easily accessible where you're like, well, why does she do that if you don't like actually think about it? But I mean, as Jared pointed out, this is a movie that makes you think about it. It's not, uh, where, where are those movies that people always make fun of us for and say that we should stick to like back to the future or oh, something? Lethal Weapon. <laughs> In lethal I, I, yeah. I don't know, you're including Jarrett in this conversation, RJ. I, I think um, you know for sure where that, who they're talking about when they mention those kind of movies. Yeah, they're talking about just Jarrett, not me. I'm including myself. <laughs> exactly, in that. exactly. That's not fair. Yeah. yeah hey, uh, just Jarrett. Separate yourself, please. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Check Fair yourself. Point. Thanks, Oliver. Finally, someone understands. Uh, shut up, you guys. Uh, I don't even remember who was talking out of the two of you, and I think Oliver has more to say. But uh, Mesh Tops, I've mentioned before. Can we please just talk yeah. about them more? Yeah. Is, yep. is that the future for humanity? Yellow Mesh Tops and harnesses around the groin. We're, we're wearing them right now. You can't tell because we have hoodies on because we live in Canada, but uh, I got a mesh top underneath. <laughs> I do My not. pants. Hey, Jarrett, go along with the gag. It's it's a comic. Yeah. That's how hey. um, uh, when it, you know free flow comedy works. You have to basically accept the situation. And yeah, just go with it. it. So we're just all wearing mesh tops. Roll with it. We all got crop tops. They're all made of mesh. One thing I'd like to mention, and me and my wife uh, made up ideas about this based on absolutely no information whatsoever. Sure. Russians naturally or unnaturally are just insane cinematographers. From the silent era to, I don't know, past this, they're just all their movies are shot incredibly. Why? And I decided that it was because everyone's like in Soviet Russia, like this is the Russian school of cinematography and they all mm. studied the same thing. Mm-hmm. Is that well, why? Alternatively, it's because they all have to fight for their survival. So the best it- naturally <laughs> rise to the top. Or is it because of this? They were so strong in a silent film where cinematography was key that they sort of learned from there. Well, it's a good mean, point. It was all centralized too, because yeah. like Mosh Film was just like I mean, a, a wing of the Russian government basically saying like, "Hey, you're making films," and so like you're going to get the best people who are learning all the technical stuff, and they have access to every film, and they're studying them because you are specialized in making films look great. Because yeah, like if you look back at the Russian films that we've covered on the. Uh, creep so far mm-hmm. they're like all visually just amazing there was, films there was only one that was not as good it was i was trying to quickly bring it up like you guys you know super smooth so we oh yeah yeah um, no we always just stop and then it, edit it together it to up. make it yeah, sound yeah. like we're cool but there was a war a russian war movie that was the only one so far alexander the great or not the great but not lucy what's strange that was terrible uh there was one Cranes are flying, maybe. The cranes are no, flying. That was, well, that movie. No. Looked, that that was the that one was. Ballad of the Soldier. Sorry, that was it. That was the only Russian film I thought that didn't have. It was fantastic, but didn't have that classic cinematography. Well, well our 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 boy ah. here, our uh, from uh, Solaris, uh, Vadim Yusov, he went to the uh, Gerasimov Institute of Cinematography. Yeah, see, that's what I was. Well, me and my wife decided they they all went to that yeah. one and they have Soviet school. Yeah, there is like a block of about forty names under notable alumni. Um, it's surely that uh, famous shot of the uh, baby carriage going down the stairs. What movie am I thinking of? Well, this so this the school was established in nineteen nineteen. Um, so I imagine that somewhere along the line, maybe like Man at the Movie Camera was coming out. Oh, Battleship, there. yeah, and Battleship Potemkin, yeah, Potemkin. Yep. Listen, I, but I'm going. And I mean, he—I know he. This guy did a lot of 
Tarkovsky's film, I think up to this one, I believe it was, he didn't go further than this. We're looking at, we're looking at the internet for people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, let me internet that for you, Jared, and then add the sound effect right here. Edit this so it's like. Yeah, yeah. Solaris. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, Solaris I think was his last this, one. Yeah, I think that's what this podcast is missing is sound effects. So I'm hoping. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah. I mean, if this this guy who edits the movies wasn't so lazy, it's like it's not like he does anything else. He just shows up. He just talks about movies for two hours, and that's all he does for a week. Maybe yeah. he'll post on Instagram once in a week. Like, he doesn't do anything for the show. Just come on. I think, and also over-edited audio, you know, like Solaris, 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 Solaris. Solaris. <laughs> Have you ever heard a podcast like that? Horrendous. <laughs> I, I've never heard a podcast. Is that a real thing, podcast do? Yeah. Hmm. Have you not, Jared, have you not heard it before? No. <laughs> I, I, we don't I, listen to podcasts. I've, I've heard things, just I guess. One. Yeah. Hey, RJ. What? T- tell us about the book that uh, Stanislav wrote. and Because he, he's not a fan uh, of this movie. I assumed was a piss take. Uh, I have some fun... it was better than the book. I was like, no, nah, he didn't read the book. Yeah. I got some fun things to say about uh, the book and uh, Stanislav Lem. Um, so the book... I audiobooked it over the last like three, four weeks walking to work the last couple days, last couple weeks. Uh, the book is very different. Um, the best way I could describe it is like, do you guys know Contact by Carl Sagan? Sure. I hate yeah, it. so it's kind of like, yeah, the movie sucks, but the book, uh, the book Contact is very good because Carl Sagan was like a real smart guy and he knew what he was talking about. Stanislav Lem. I think was a smart guy also. He wasn't like a scientist like Carl Sagan was, but uh, the book is a lot more emphasis on the like science, not, not even the science, but like certain aspects of what's going on and more about the nature of the, like the endeavor itself and less about the people. Uh, So the book is a lot more about like, it's kind of like man versus nature, to be honest, uh, because it's uh, it starts out and it is our main man, Calvin. And he's already he like the book starts out when he arrives at the Solaris base. There's no nothing before nothing okay. after the entire book is 100 percent on the space station. So he arrives there. It's the it plays out. And then it ends on the station as well. Uh, and what it, a lot of what it is, is just. Uh, scientists talking about like what is happening but it's not like the physics part like in the um in in some of these movies where they're like well it's neutrinos and things like that it's more like uh it's not the remake no it was the original that was the original i think it's the the original and then in the remake it's like subatomic particles Uh, it's it's the same old horseshit yeah but like the the book is more about it's not about that it's more like okay so something's happening there's a physical uh physics and like chemistry answer to it whatever what are we going to do now to solve this so it's more about like how do we like defeat this gigantic living ooze uh and the one thing i really like because i think a lot of people know i'm a fan of aliens uh, and I actually really like Stanislav's uh, Stanislav Lem's approach to this, where it's kind of like I, I saw a thing where he was he was kind of going on about how he made the entire planet the living organism because he's like I didn't want to make an 
he said he wanted to make a non-anthropomorphic version of an alien yeah. because he's like, it's too easy to do that, to just have like a human character that represents an alien. He's like, I wanted something totally different. He's like, so I made the entire planet a fucking alien. It was, uh, he's like, and then I wanted to see what happened there. Uh, so that book is way, way, way more about what the planet itself is and how uh, all the scientists study it. Because in that one, Calvin is a scientist. He knows all about Solaris. And it's about how for years and years they've been trying to study this thing. And it's only in like the recent years that they've actually kind of cracked or not even cracked. Like things have been happening because they've increased what they're doing to it. So uh, I really like that. Um, I like the book quite a bit. Uh, is it, all-time mayor no there were some boring parts in it uh, especially in the audiobook format where there were some times where i was just walking and i'd walk for like 10 minutes and i i would have to stop it and be like i i, I don't even know what they've been talking about for 10 minutes i wasn't listening at all you're explaining how i listen to this podcast right now yeah exactly you don't listen at all and then you're like i'll go back and then you listen to it again you're like i i didn't hear what that meant i'll go back uh but i i actually like the book quite a bit um just because i like those themes where what they were trying to say with it and i think that translates to certain elements of this movie where i really i've mentioned before i really like memory type mm. stuff where that's why i liked wild strawberries a lot that's what my masters was in was all about memory and i like this movie because it's about memory ghosts basically like this movie is just a big ghost story but it's also about aliens so that these are things that <laughs> i love uh, because it's about ghosts and it's about aliens. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's it's, it's the it's a slam dunk for me uh, in theory. So I really like that. And I think actually what kind of hurt me on this movie was listening to the book right before, because I listened to the book and I had seen the uh, Steven Soderbergh remake when it came out in like 2003 or four, whatever it was. So I knew this, I knew like the rough lines of the story, but I didn't remember it completely. So I knew it a little bit, but I listened to the book and then I watched the movie and then watching the movie, I was like, oh, it's like, uh, they're going for this way different approach where they're really emphasizing his life on earth and then his connection to these people. And I was like, I get that because it's kind of like humanizing the story a little bit. But at the same time, I kind of liked the cold calculated like science aspect of it. And that's. I don't know. That's just me. Like I can see a lot of other people being turned off by that. But uh, like watching this movie, I, I feel like I was kind of I went into it with an idea of what it was going to be like because of the book. And then the fact that it didn't kind of hit that, it made it made me a pre, uh, like it less. Mm. And, that, and uh, Tarkovsky was saying that because Stanislav Lem didn't like the movie and Tarkovsky was like well he just wanted a carbon copy of his book like he was a real prick just like and Stephen like, King I, yeah and I, I get that too where it's like yeah I, I understand like, Tarkovsky was like I want to make my own thing I want to have plastic bed sheets I want to have slime I want to have all this other shit in there and it's like yeah I get that that's cool so um, I'm not like I don't have negative thoughts on the movie because it strayed away from the book I think I just actually liked the approach that the book took more than the movie did where the movie made it more about the people, uh, the people's connections to each other, where the book was more like, what are we going to do about this 
as a whole because we all need to kind of sort this out. Well, yeah, when I was so, reading the uh, Wikipedia summary of the book uh, mm-hmm. before we were recording, the thing that I was like, oh, that actually does sound like a more interesting uh, version of the same story was the uh, idea that like it's also about like this futility of like ever being able to understand an alien intelligence. Uh, like, exactly. Yeah, like which yeah. is like they don't that's like not touched upon really here in the, in a direct way. I don't think. No. Uh, in, yeah. Sorry. Keep oh, going. Yeah. Then I was just going to say as well, uh, one of the, uh, interviews I was watching on the special features, uh, for this was like, uh, the reception that like this film had in Poland. And it was like kind of a period piece, like, se- like seven, mm-hmm. it's like, a, it's like a seventies little clip. It's like four minutes long. And, uh, like how, they're like complaining because it's like so it's a Polish book and like obviously like they're they're mm-hmm. having some umbrage with like Russian like baggage with like they're like with its spirituality and like the the water pouring down on everybody it's such a it's obviously just like the 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 Holy Ghost and yeah. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm like okay like I have no yeah, what are you talking about? I, I have yeah. no idea what they're talking about but it's like well I'm not from the, those that culture so I'm like I don't even see what they're talking about I like my issue is that like, this film is very. Uh, long <laughs> and yeah. uh like that's like more my issue but like there's like a completely different reading where it's like if you're really invested in the book and like the the, the science of it the technical mm-hmm. kind of like intellectual stuff uh tarkovsky he's like trying to make this like spiritual film uh that like i don't i don't really get that i don't see that aspect of it mm-hmm. at all um I see it kind of as more of like this like aesthetic kind of film, like where I'm like mm-hmm. really into those browns of uh, Hari's uh, outfit. Like I love that. that that's, you can't handle the brown. <laughs> Why couldn't like, she unlace the outfit? Did anyone explain that? What the fuck was that about? She didn't know how to use. She doesn't know how to use. Just because he cut it off the first he has time. No, he has no. The second she, time she had to try to cut it off. She has yeah. no memory of. Of how to take it off. Yeah, right. That's, that's why she yeah. couldn't open the door. It's kind of the same kind of thing. And like the whole idea well, that. I had no memory of taking it off either. Uh, Chris. Yeah, because he doesn't know how to take off a woman's dress. He's like, I don't know. And uh, and then it's like, just like all those little details of like her like looking in the mirror and being like, oh, hey, that's me. Who's this woman in the photograph? Like she has no memory. She only has the memory of what she's been given. There's like these mm-hmm. like interesting elements to the film that like, I don't know. That These are the things I like about it. But I mean, like I said, it's so, I think it's really easy uh, because of the way the film was made to dismiss it, especially now, like movies like this just don't get made and aren't, or if they are, people aren't watching them. Like, I think there was like a bell tar movies, like a uh, satin tango, uh, bell tar. Um, Bel- have Bel- you seen oh. annihilation? Uh, well, I was going to say like, so the one movie that came to mind, uh, it's kind of like falls into like this middle ground is a rival, uh, which yeah. is like, it's somewhere between like what, so Kubrick I'd say is like, uh, is a pretty much a success on, on the front of these types of films. And then you have like an arrival, which people really love. I am not a fan of that film. Cause to me, I'm an arrival fan. Yeah. I, I'm just like, I just find the Most film. Most people are. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Oh, here we go. Here I go. Most people are. So most people, people are. are. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just one of those not that like it just does little things. Like it feels like a like a Christopher Nolan knockoff of a movie. I mean, in like the worst mm-hmm. ways, and you're just like, ugh. I don't know. It's like Denny Villeneuve is like not that type of director either. But this film, it just has like weird like mainstream sort of concessions that like I think Tarkovsky would absolutely hate, and he would never make in his movie. But uh, most people are going to be probably reaching for a rival before they're reaching for Solaris. <laughs> and like, probably. And, yeah, I don't know. And I don't think that's, that's like not a de- 
to be dismissive of the one movie ever. But it's like it's like on these movies are on the spectrum and like how you can handle this material, I guess, is what yeah, I'm we're all thinking. on the spectrum. That's right. We're all on the spectrum of I life. I wanna make it clear I didn't dislike yeah. Solaris. Yeah. I find it easier to say things about movies I dislike though. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so I thought I'd come in as devil's advocate. Okay. It's it's even better, but I actually like what you were saying, Oliver, is a lot of the stuff that I, I think too, and I haven't gotten to that yet. But like I agree with Jarrett where he's talking about the sense of the alien thing. Like the book is mostly about it's like human arrogance where it's like, well, we can figure this thing out. And then it's like, no, this is like a giant living being and you have no idea what you're talking about. And they're like, no, we got it. Like we're we're pretty smart. We made spaceships like we know what we're doing. And then it's like, no, this is a huge brain and it's going to like throw a bunch of shit at you. It's like it probes your mind. It makes a artifact of your memory. And it's like, how are you going to deal with this now? And it's just like this living thing. It's like it's kind of just like it's your your deal, bud. Like you figure it, it out. But. Did it explain why the whole crew went crazy? Because I still haven't fully. So in the book, at least, it was mostly just because uh, and that's another thing that's not emphasized or even brought up in either of these two it's brought up in one line in the remake but it's kind of like in the book there is a huge emphasis about like the people who show up like the visitor or the guests are people who in their mind they wronged in some way so the main character he feels like guilty because he thinks the the wife killed herself because of him in all the other two characters, their guests are equal things where it's just like, I did something really bad to that person. Because the way it's presented in the book where it's like, uh, they're talking to Calvin, they're like, who was your guest? And he's like, oh, it was a lady I knew one time. And uh, they're like, what do you what do you mean? Like, you just knew this lady? That's not all it is, surely. And he's like, no, that's all it was. And then the guy's like, okay, well, I know you're lying because all of the things that happened here. And then eventually later he's like, well, I feel all, I feel like responsible for her killing herself. And he's like, yeah, I, I knew he's like, because they only bring people back that like you have a personal thing with where it's not just like, oh, I love that person. It was my kid. It was like, you actually feel responsible for something that happened to them. That makes more sense. Cause I read it as sort of all these people like were luckily enough or not lucky, but they all sort of had tragic Mem- you know, they had tragic mm-hmm. people they could bring yeah. back. And I was like, what's the chances everyone on the ship or maybe everyone that survived? Oh, my wife killed herself. Um, I have a midget son, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, well, and see, that's the thing where in the movie, it's like kind of hilarious. But in the book, it's way more subtle where I think one of the characters <laughs> like Snout, where it's just like, we, uh, uh, I think after Calvin like figures out, he's like, well, what was your deal then? And he is like, he's like, it was just some guy I was really fucking shitty to. And he's like, I feel bad about it. it it's not like some I like, midget son or like. A I like that so much himself. more because I think that's a memory that a lot of people have. Well, personally, I do. Yeah. Uh, you think, you know, maybe late at night trying to go to bed. And, oh, I remember that guy I was real shitty to. Yeah. You know, I wish I didn't say that. And that's I think you mentioned a movie a long time ago that where hell was represented as like those shitty memories. As above, so below, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, and and that and yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet, but like that, I yeah, that that, that makes much more sense to me. It's that movie is good because it's like this cyclical thing where it's just like, oh, remember all that bad stuff that happened to you? Yeah. We're gonna do that over and over again, and that's yeah. your own personal hell. Where 
that's why I like that uh, so much. But yeah, in the book, that's kind of what it was like. It's like the the ghosts that come back are people. They seem to yeah. pick out people that's going to fuck with you the most. Basically. The most, yeah. It's not going to bring back like some guy that was your friend because you'd be like, oh, sick. What's yeah. up, buddy? Let's go for some cold ones for the boys. Do you, it's not, do you think it's not like everyone, like you, everyone you bring back, like his ex-wife, and he perceived her to be sort of manic suicidal. Personally, if you if, if this planet was bringing mm-hmm. stuff back to you, is your perceptions of people worse than what they are in real life? Yeah, yeah. Is it for always? Sure. It's all, you're always going to be more on the negative side. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there's like that's sure. a real thing, right? Negativity bias. Like usually, yeah. If you if you look up like you, when you look up information about somebody you're looking up on Wikipedia, most people beeline. Is there a controversies page? <laughs> like, is there information about like controversies? Yeah. yeah. And then, yep. the, and it's like, oh, these are all the bad things they've done. I shouldn't like them now. <laughs> like, that's what people do. So it's like, yeah, usually when you think about people, yeah. you're going to like idealize them, but there's always going to be that lingering negativity that like probably like infects every other facet of somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So if we brought back our mums, we wouldn't be like, oh, she was so great at this and that. We'd be like, oh, remember when she made us do this or that? Or she was a real bitch at those times. Well, it's like the, kind of like the whole like uh, weird foundation of like uh, Italian Catholic. Uh, guilt mm-hmm. of like the, guilt. The, 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 the mother mother oh, mother horror you know that, complex. That's my area. Well, you're a, you're a Hungarian Catholic, so I don't know. What that yeah, is. yeah. But I still got that Catholic guilt, baby. Well, we know. Did, did you guys find any of the characters interesting in this movie? I've I read. Mm. I was trying to I was trying to do the classic look at bad reviews and get people to confirm my own reviews on the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The characters yeah. aren't that interesting. They're not, are they? Not no. really. No. They're just kind of there. And this movie's more of a character study than, like you said, a study on the planet or well, see, metaf- in, No, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's mm-hmm. exactly what I what I was trying to say, whereas, like, I think the book is a lot more about the people dealing with the circumstance or the situation that's happening. The movie is more about the people dealing with each other. But the book, actually, you learn a lot more about the characters through how they're dealing with the situation, which again, it's like I said, books have a lot more room to breathe where you can, you can kind of like pace these things out and you can like learn a little bit more about certain characters as the book progresses. But like in that thing, it's like, yeah, I knew exactly who Sartorius and Snout were Did because of how they handled head? situations. Yeah. Did it explain who they brought up? Because I don't remember correctly. I know in the remake, uh, mm-hmm. a woman brings up her son. But in the original, I don't, I don't remember them mentioning people that they visited. All I've got the memory of is the midget. And I can't get well, it One of head. them is, yeah. No, well, see, that's what I mean. Uh, so in the book, it's Sartorius, uh, who is the has the midget in the movie. But it's like, in the book, it's, <laughs> it's their son. Uh, and then the other character, Snout, it was like, um, I think he was the one where it was just like, He's like, yeah, it was just some guy that was really fucking shitty to. And you're just like, all right. Because we don't like, see that in the movie, right? No, just, no. It's mostly just Chris. Yeah. No, you you don't see that at all. And then even in the, the remake, it's even more frustrating where it's like, it was a clone of yourself. You're your own worst enemy. <laughs> oh, and you're just I, like, I, oh, I'm not going to lie. I kind of enjoyed the twist a little bit in the remake. Uh, okay. Well, I, I have some stuff to say about okay. that too. Okay. But so I, 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 <laughs> Okay, well, I, to bring, my to, before we move on to the remake. <laughs> my last comment, I I said the sentient ooze in Solaris is less than Ghostbusters 2 sentient ooze. Because I think the sentient ooze in this is kind of boring. But in like Ghostbusters 2, it had like a personality and it had like feelings. 
never mind. Do whatever you want to do. Go to the remake or whatever. I just wanted to get that out before you moved on. Also okay. horses as well. Oh, that was my first comment. I said, uh-oh, horses? Wow. Is Tarkovsky going to push another one of these horses? There was a the horse picture on the, on the spaceship. I saw that, but then yeah. I stopped looking. There were, there were a couple horses through this thing, and I was really scared because I was like, I, I know how they are in Russia. They're just pushing horses off of fucking buildings left and right. Yeah. Uh, my, yeah, before we bridge over, I, my, my last comment there would be uh, the weird connection I made between this and Hopscotch last week was that both these films have compositing of things floating on a body of water because there's the bit where the plane crashes in the ocean and it's just get the... the, the uh, dodgy compositing of wreckage there and then you also oh, get the uh, and then the ver- in the final shot mm-hmm. of course of uh the film where he just accepts his fate and he's gonna go hang out and live on the planet mm-hmm. why not man take his- i thought and people were like oh that ending is so what happened so we all saw what happened he's on the yeah. freaking yeah it's there's, pretty there's nothing confusing yeah. we, we'll put out a youtube on the criterion creeps youtube page where it's just like ending of solaris explained and it'll be a five second oh. video of jared and it's just he's on, the like, planet. he's on the planet he's on the planet <laughs> it's yep. not complicated you know what's a better ending lucio fulci's the beyond like that that is a yeah. far more like impactful ending than that of solaris so smoke that tarkovsky <laughs> So, uh, none of us watched the 1968 television film, uh, Solaris, uh, but all three of us did watch Steven Soderbergh's 2002 uh, Solaris, starring George Clooney. Oliver Granger did some heavy lifting. He even watched the remake. That's not uh, customary for, uh, well, I guess... We had, had, we've only had one other, guest, <laughs> one other guest, and there was no remakes of those movies, so... No. I was back in the old days where you, go, you know, I was hoping, you know, you'd go back to the times where you'd view all the remakes. Or maybe I thought it'd be funny. I should have just watched the remake and then came on this and then said, <laughs> oh, shit, I watched the wrong movie again. I watched the wrong movie again. Son of a bitch. It's, it's been brought up that the main, I mean, you can, I don't know if you want to go through the plot of the remake, uh, but the the big thing you brought out is, holy crap, the spaceship is bland. It's so of its time. Silver everywhere. Blue and silver and claustrophobic. So I'm just going to say, I don't like this movie at all. Uh, I think even at like Good. 99 minutes, this thing feels somehow just as long. At It, feel, it felt like 165 minutes to me. Uh, mm-hmm. George Clooney... Uh, not one of his best outings. Uh, usually I have no problems with uh, the Clune, but here he just was like, re- like, his face was always like standing in doorways and like looking at something and reacting. And like, mm. it just like seemed so flat. I don't know. And um, other things I'll just get out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, Soderbergh, ICP. he shot this film and edited it himself, uh, but under aliases. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was like James Cameron's dream project, which is which is actually kind of hilarious because you think about what his Solaris would have been if he had get, put yeah. the time into it. Because he's like into water, and you're like, oh, there would have been a scene where they go into Solaris. <laughs> like, but mm-hmm. it, it, it probably it could actually be an Maybe awesome. That would have been cool. It could have been cool. I mean, uh, yeah. but anyway. So that never was going to happen. So it kind of got handed off to Soderbergh. This was his follow-up to Traffic, I think. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's a movie. I, there we go. There's the answer to the question. Oh, you guys were sort of we were on yeah. About, you guys you were, were like, no, fan. you went hot on it, but oh, that color grading in that movie ruined it. All right, moving on. There we go. There's yeah. the answer. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. This this movie though, man, I just was not into it. Just, especially like, I watched it, uh, the movies uh, day apart, just to have a little bit of a separation. 
Mm-hmm. And I just was bored out of my mind. Nothing it was doing like was more interesting. Just, I don't know. Everything about it drove me more crazy because even visually there was nothing to look at. Uh, I don't know. I have not much to say about it. I just, I think this movie kind of sucks. I have I some have... stuff to say about it, but I want to hear what Oliver all right, Oliver I'll, go, I'll, I'll go through first. my notes and then you can talk about how much you hate George Clooney. Uh, the main I thing don't is that... hate him. I have some things to say, but I'll, I'll get there. Now, I can't remember which character he was supposed to be, but the chewing gum asshole I've written down, he listened to Insane Clown Posse. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I thought that was he's, he's supposed to be Snout. Oh, is that Snout? Yeah, so yeah I... he's supposed to be, but uh, that chewing... I've and never he... seen a more annoying character oh. in cinema history yeah. than the way this he... guy fucking chews gum. It's unbelievable. It's There, fucking there are other things that fuck me off, but I think <laughs> in a realistic way, because he repeats the same thing over and over again, which similar to maybe, I don't know if we, if I listen, re-listen to this podcast, I'll probably find out I keep saying, yeah, nah, or something like that. But he keeps don't saying, yeah, that. you know, when someone, ex- when he explains something, I don't know, remember, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he sort of, yeah, he, and his, it's hand movements. Yeah. He does the yeah, same. Every, yeah. He, he motions he his every finger question, forward and like, forward. Uh, yeah. He answers yeah. the same question the same way every time. Do you guys remember um, him from Lost? Because he oh, was yeah. like, yeah, Fair, uh, Faraday on that show. But uh, that's like yeah, the only thing I... Yeah, he was I've... good in that show. Yeah, he was good in that, but this... <laughs> Actually, that's a, I've got this note for both movies. Um, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? I feel like there's a theme for both of these movies. I think oh, if... Observa- observation, okay. for example. If that guy's chewing gum in the world... Do yeah, other someone, people hear if it? some arsehole chews gum and listens to ICP, does anyone give a shit about this movie? Um not i thought the line of questioning when she first appeared was really odd mm. i was like do you remember me how did we get there what was your last memory i was like i don't know if that's the first thing i would ask <laughs> um, like you're uh, you're, you're like, skipping a few beats here buddy <laughs> yeah yeah let's let's do the uh has the russians doing get it on first uh-huh. um and way more uh flashbacks in this movie a lot of half the movie was probably in flashback and i found most of the flashbacks were filmed as if someone was watching them mm. and there was actually blink there was literally blinking in the flashbacks i don't know if you remember yeah. it went black and then so it was that us was it the planet viewing the memories and just physically watching probably that's what he meant but they, yeah uh, try to explain I, I i did appreciate that it didn't do what other remakes, especially American remakes, do and just over-explain everything a little bit. Like, it may have explained a lot more, but I don't think it ever got to the point where it, where it over-explained it. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say, Oliver, about this remake? I think that's it. All right, I got some things to say about this remake. So here's my point. Here's my, my case for Solaris case for against whatever i own this on dvd jared <laughs> me too the reason i own it is because i was collecting the cinema f movies the cinema this score is a cinema f. score f yep um so i'll just start and say when this movie came out i was actually pretty into it i don't remember when it came out what was it like 2008 or something like that 2002 2002 so i was 12 and I thought this movie was awesome. And I was like, whoa, this movie's so crazy, man. I was like, I love this thing. It's so like edgy and like wild. 
I haven't watched it since 2002. I, I remember I tried one time when I was like 16, 17, and uh, I fell asleep. Uh, but I think this really stands out where Steven Soderbergh said uh, he didn't intend Solaris to be a remake of Tarkovsky's film, but rather a new version yeah. of Stanislav Lem's novel. Counter to that, Stanislav Lem said, to my best knowledge, the book was not dedicated to erotic problems of people in outer space. <laughs> uh, Solaris's author, I as Solaris's author, I shall allow myself to repeat that I only wanted to create a vision of a human encounter with something that certainly exists in a mighty manner, perhaps, but cannot be reduced to human concepts, ideas, or images. This is why my book was uh, entitled Solaris and not Love in Outer Space. So these were his statements. He very openly said that he never watched the remake made by Steven Soderbergh, but he heard about it from some people. (laughs) Sounds like Alan Moore talking about all his films. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, I won't watch it, but I know a guy who saw it and he told me what it was like. So uh, this is my opinion. Uh, I think that is hilarious. Uh, But at the same time, I think he kind of has a point where this, like the remake is certainly just a, uh, a remake of the movie and not the book because i don't know what steven soderbergh very clearly never read the book uh because this movie is about the relationship of the two people and like that's fine that they wanted to do something a little different but at the same time uh, the reason i think i like the book more than tarkovsky's solaris is because it focused more on what was happening instead of person to person where Tarkovsky was person to person. And then this one is relationship person to person, which is even more in depth where this movie is 90 minutes long. 40 minutes of this movie is flashbacks to earth. And then you have really heavy handed scenes. It's like, does God exist? Oh, like gives a shit. Like what, what does this have to do with anything in this movie? That conversation was the worst. But only yeah. for the for the to be honest, for his wife, you know, as apart from the yeah, chronic atheist, I, I'm on their side. But like yeah. when she's like, How do you explain consciousness? Like mathematical probability. She's like, No, I'm leaving this party. Well, it, like there's that too, but at the same time for me, religious perspective aside, atheist, religious, who gives a shit? Doesn't matter. Because mm. nothing matters. But in that scene, George, Clo- this whole movie, George Clooney is such a fucking asshole because it's like his wife is like, yeah, I, I, I think there's something out there. And he's like, do you realize how fucking dumb you sound right now? You stupid, clumsy bitch. He's like, I'm going to tell you right now in front of all these people why you're such an idiot. That was and some you're just, chronic mansplaining, right? Yeah, that that's that entire scene. And you're just like, whoa, you're like, am I supposed to sympathize with uh, George Clooney in this? Or like, I don't get it. So I I'm, I was really weirded out by this. Apparently, Daniel Day-Lewis was supposed to star in this thing. Yeah. Uh, and then dropped out because of scheduling conflicts. But I think he was just like, nah, I don't want to do that. Uh, so George Clooney came in. George Clooney 100% has a butt double in this movie. 100%. Oh, shit. That was a night. I don't know if I 100%. ended up running it down. I'm just thinking at the whole movie. But Jesus Christ, so his butt. He shows his butt. <laughs> several several times i think it's three uh there's one where it's very clearly it is him he's just like lying on bed they just they've just been intimate 
in a sexual way, Jarrett. Uh, and he just happened to make himself a little bowl of ramen noodles, like a little itchy dad. <laughs> He's just like, you know what? We're just still naked. Whatever. I'm going to make some noodles. You know, we're so cash, whatever. And that's very clearly his butt. But there's a scene earlier where they're like standing up and they're making out and they're both naked. And it's like, what are you doing? Why are you naked standing up, making out, by a wall like in what situation did this happen and this occur but then also like his back is so fucking muscular you're just like whoa george clooney is ripped but then in the next scene you see his arms and you're like wait a minute george clooney is not ripped (laughs) you're like what was that earlier scene is he like that was a that was a body double for sure and you're like yeah that was a body double for sure i have no problems with george clooney let me just say that up front i think it's really nice that he has a potbelly pig that's his best friend. That's awesome. I fully endorse that. Uh, but this movie, I was kind of like, what are you doing, George? Because there, there's some of some of the delivery of his things. You're just like, ooh. Uh, like when he wakes up and the girl's in the bed and he's like, oh, god damn it. And he like, he like goes Slaps on the wall. Hip. Yeah, he's like, oh, what's going on here, boys? And it's just like, ooh. <laughs> Again, John Lovett's acting. <laughs> So, uh, I don't know, Jared and Oliver. Um, George Clooney is fine. I think this movie is not great. Uh, I liked it when I was a little kid. So, that's that's my hot take, Jared, on uh, Solaris 2002. Outstanding. <laughs> yep. I, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say or anything about either George Clooney's Solaris or the other Solaris, but... Uh, How about that Cliff Martinez score, huh? I uh, I did appreciate some music in the fucking film. That's yeah, cool. yeah, that's that's one thing. I was I was listening to the... watching the original Solaris and there were um, cicadas chirping. Yeah. And I had mm-hmm. to mute the movie to realize they were... No, they were actual cicadas outside. Uh, There's no bloody sound in this movie. So I did appreciate some music, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah that mm-hmm. definitely... Music is so powerful. Like it really makes mm-hmm. things even slower when it's not there. Like, and you, you put music to anything and it just changes it. Like it's sure it's pretty magical. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tool that should be used well, well. but uh, yeah, when it's not there at all and you're making a, a slow film. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Luckily it screened out all those movie haters and only got the real cinema files mm-hmm. to watch it. Right. Yeah, and it's like, all right, guys. Classic. Now you can come into the secret clubhouse yeah, yeah, yeah. and watch the real movie. Now that the 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 real uh, Mel- Melvins are gone. <laughs> Total Melvins. There was there was one movie. I don't know. Actually, maybe that was a disappointment from the podcast. I don't know if you ended up watching it. Uh, the French movie about the people transporting nitroglycerin or whatever in the oh, trucks. Wages of fear. Wages there was of fear. The, there was the remake uh, Sorcerer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh... William Friedkin. Uh, I think 40 minutes of that movie were in French with subtitles, and apparently, like, that movie bombed because of it because people were just mm. leaving the cinema. And I think it all, yeah, it also came out, like, whatever it was, this, like, a week after Star Wars or so something. That's like right, that. as well. Yeah. But, like, they had to have signs outside the theater saying, don't worry, only 40 minutes uh, yeah. of this. Mm-hmm. So maybe that before, so don't worry, only 40 minutes of this <laughs> is shit. Yeah. Then there's a 20 minute scene of Japan tunnels then it gets good don't worry yeah. guys then, then we get to space <laughs> it yeah. sounds like when jared went to uh dream catcher <laughs> yep was it 
Is that refreshing no, no. though when he got to space and you're like, holy shit, it's five minutes in the movie, he's in space. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, look at all these classy shots of George Clooney walking mm-hmm. around like an urban environment. Aren't these like lovely shots? And then, and then you get to space and you're just like, oh, it's a generic yeah, spaceship. So yeah. It's- you get to space fast, but it, the entire entire movie is flashbacks to yep. earth yeah i thought that was there was way too many yeah. mm-hmm. well folks we need to talk about who hates solaris or oh some people <laughs> some people me. all right rj you ready uh i'm always ready excellent fuck let's For, roll I, I, i've been cherry picking here half star because okay. all these people are going to say the exact same thing it's boring okay. by boring. lane 21 I don't know a damn thing that happened in this movie, but I know that what boring as fuck. Okay, wait, wait, wait. What was the person's name? Bylane. I was always wondering that. So I was, was wondering if RJ had, was pre-prepared, was pre-prepared before you did the sequence. No, or no. He had okay. to quickly search them up. I do have to quickly search them up. I'm just on the page. Bylane 21? Bylane. B-Y-L-A-I-N 21. I'm waiting to see this live where where RJ will say they hated this, they hated this, oh, and they hated this one movie I was nostalgic for in childhood. <laughs> well, that's not a one star movie. Hook's not a one star movie. It, well, Hook isn't a one star movie. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I haven't watched it since a kid, but that seems crazy. Did you say one star, Jared? Half star. A half star. Bylane one twenty one. Bylane twenty one. I I um, this has never happened. I can't find this. I have these are my half the remake or the original. The original. So I have for half star reviews. I have Pelly Joint, Bald Racist, (laughs) (laughs) Lane. That's probably Lane. Lane. Look at Lane. Okay, so is it? I don't know a damn thing about this movie. Yes. Okay. What? What are you? What were you talking about? By Lane. Lane. (laughs) The hell are you talking about? Okay, favorite films include Us, which is a movie that we did not like at all. <laughs> um, Suspiria. Okay. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Brave. See, I'm all out of whack now because I had no uh, no intro here. Mm-hmm. Was that Suspiria yeah. original or remake? Yeah, that was the original one. But uh, we got Lady Bird. We got uh, The Last Jedi. We got Halloween Town 1 and 2 which I think are fine movies, actually. But uh, there's also The Big Sick and uh, Baby Driver, which are not good. But uh, their half stars are Solaris, uh, Bruno, Say It Isn't So with uh, Heather Graham, which I think that movie is okay, to be honest. (laughs) Very bizarre. Okay, let's move on to the next review, Jarrett. Jasper 21? Or or, sorry, just Uh, Jasper. Just, yeah, twenty one is the date. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's why I got the by lane. Yeah, oh my God. no, no. What? No, it's, you it's, see it's, the... it, This is a weird thing that I think in the uh, copy and pasting, uh, it did some weird compressing that it's never done before. So Jasper, one mm-hmm. star. This film is intended to be a study of humanity, but the only method for doing so is to do a character study. I guess we're feeling uncomfortable piles of sludge running around in a useless space station. Casper Noah's climax made me understand 15 characters more in the space of five minutes than this did with one in two hours and 46 minutes. I mean, I just shattered that because of Casper Noah. No, yeah, I saw that. I saw that when trying to Casper Noah make myself feel better myself. And I was like, oh, he's, he agrees with me. Oh, he brought up that director. 
Yeah. This person doesn't have like horrible taste, to be honest. Like they only have eight five star films and a lot of Daniel Day Lewis stuff. My neighbor Totoro Battle Royale, which is fine. They just gave Beautiful Boy one star, and in their review, I need to go into drug rehabilitation after watching this shit show of a movie. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet pretending to be high should become a meme though, and it's like that's pretty fun. But they get Paddington 2, three and a half, and it's like, uh, excuse me, both of those Paddington movies are five star affairs, mm. very clearly. Yeah. So, anyways. L underscore H, one star. I really love watching this movie from the bottom middle <laughs> of the screen. I didn't get that. I don't either. Is hey, he, do you guys want to like hear something? putting it on the side and doing something else at the same time? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Oliver, I have something that might rattle you to the bone. Here we go. L underscore H underscore. They ha- created their account in May of 2018. <laughs> they have one film logged and rated, and it's Solaris. <laughs> and that is their only score. Huh. That's their only review, only rating. So... I don't know what that account is, but uh, they they created a letterbox account specifically to, get... to make a bad review of Solaris. I could imagine people doing that if you go to film school, you keep hearing and hearing about it. You finally yeah. watch it, you're like, no, that's it. I just yeah. fuck this. I'm gonna thing. review bomb this fucker. Yeah. Finally, a general, one star. I am deeply irritated by this event. Having sat through Solaris is like having something improbable and heroic. <laughs> a general yeah see Probably. god damn it why, why are you bouncing around so much here there's more questions than the solaris itself see one of the things that when oh, i was looking at these uh yeah. it was it was translating into english so some of these might have been translated from funny talk it's possible so i found a general their favorite movies include rocky horror picture show alien and then uh creep not approved the night porter <laughs> not very good you guys not very good at all their half stars are like sex in the city movies like who gives a shit uh one star movies also who gives a shit let's go to those five star films Jared. evil dead 2 not my cup of tea i know other people really like that whatever uh we also have necromantic ew <laughs> American Mary, that's gross. What else we got? There was one of the uh, one non David Cronenberg movies I saw from Canada, mm-hmm. which it didn't didn't. American Mary, yeah, that was a Canadian uh, film, right? Yeah, well, yes, yeah, the Saskatoon twins. Yeah, loosely Canadian. I don't know. This person's opinions suck. They got all they got all these movies in here, Jarrett. Near Dark five stars. Why do people like Near Dark so much? Just because it's got your least favorite actor who I like to go on the show and say, I loved him in Aliens. I, I would love to have him on the show. <laughs> You'd love to have if Bill Paxton on, on the show? I've, uh, I'd, yeah, well, on the show, I don't know, but I love him. Yeah, I saw him in real life once, and you know what? I didn't care for him there either. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care for him, Jarrett. You're on Near the... Dark is not a five-star movie. RJ, you were on the wrong side of history with your uh, Bill Paxton takes. Just, just what about Near Dark? What's your opinion on Near Dark? It's overrated. It's it's okay. Yes, it is. It is definitely overrated. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't, I don't get the love. There's better vampires. You... Mm-hmm. You guys always hate on movies directed by women. I just don't understand the theme. I 
don't mind Catherine Low. <laughs> I think she's pretty cool. I've only seen a few of her movies. Strange, and I love good. movies directed not, by. I'm women. not even hating on it. I just think no, it's. Just, uh... just, it's one of those <laughs> weird movies where everyone's like, "This is the best movie ever made," like Solaris. It's the best sci-fi movie ever made, and you're like, "Is it though?" <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh my god, we've been recording for almost four hours. It's funny Jesus. how that happens. Funny, eh? Luckily, funny. you can cut out a bit of that. A little bit. Yeah. <sighs> well. I think that's it. Uh, after the break, we're going to go settle down on that planet and uh, face up put to our, mesh our tops. put on our mesh mm. tops and I don't know, square up with our uh, great guilts. Let the, let the Holy Spirit wash over us. And, and, which one? and, and people will contemplate just how brilliant and introspective that ending is. To the podcast? Yeah. Good. Excellent. What do you think liquid oxygen tastes like? I know exactly what it tastes like, and I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Yep. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. And Oliver, you're Smash the TV. TV, yeah. Yeah. So check him out. We're on mm-hmm. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. We've got YouTube. We're on Patreon. And thanks, Oliver, for joining us this week. Next yes. week, though, RJ, Spine 165, and we're all on our uh, own again. We'll be following mm. the exploits of a serial killer. For real? Is this the Capes movie? <laughs> this is Man Bites Dog from 1992, directed by a few Belgian men. Capes? That title's literal as well. Yeah. Oh, is it? What? Is this an RJ pick? Sure is. I doubt it. <laughs> a man bites a dog? I'm not into that, Jarrett. What, what, what makes you think I would be into that? That's what you signed up for, my friend. No, it's not. <laughs> Never have I ever said that I like that stuff. Till next time, folks. You got a sign-off, uh, Oliver? Do you want to make a fart sound or something? or? A, a nice, oh. a hearty chew after hours Cla- of podcasting. Classic RJ move. It's almost like a burger, but it's not.